Hello, my fellow Westorians. Wow, what a big episode after a big time jump. Longest episode of the season, so we got lots to talk about. But as usual, on Monday episodes, we do keep it spoiler-free. Heck, if we were to include spoilers, well, we wouldn't have enough time anyway, so it's kind of a good line to draw in the sand anyway. We do talk spoilers on Saturdays at 3. Last week we had Dr. Kavita, Kavita, Kavita Finn, and that was a fantastic discussion. Y'all should check it out even if you uh, don't normally watch the preview episodes and even if you're hearing this afterwards because it was so good that it doesn't matter that we were talking about the episode that already happened after it, or that came after it, rather. All right. Make sure as well to watch our synopsis videos before each live stream. This one was a little bit longer than usual because there's more going on, more to say, more to talk about. That's uh, becoming increasingly more common with this show, and that's obviously a good thing. The more we have to talk about, the more it implies the show is giving us things to think about. Thanks to Jeff Gnarly the Long Snapper, History of Westeros' First Sword. And Dragon Lord Eric the Evening Shade, Lord of the Groves and Defender of Stigai, Rider of Ixodes, Scapularis the Bloodthirsty, a dragon with purple scales and wings, with a red underside, black horns, and green eyes. Art by Cheese and Pencils. That's Ed Shear. Sean, uh, do you have a special beverage today in honor of a special animal? The Pink Dread. <laughs> this is... Uh... Watermelon Bang, Watermelon Mountain Dew, and the Protein Berry Naked Drink, and it's delicious. I think that's dreadful, which, hey, <laughs> it works both ways, huh? <laughs> our 3x3, three three, we like to start with that for our coverage of House of the Dragon and our spoilers. We encourage you to drop your own favorites, highlight performance, highlight plot, scene, and highlight dragon moments in the comments yourself. If you have such takes, go ahead and let people know. Last week... In our Facebook group, as usual, we have a poll for standout performer. People are allowed to vote for more than one character, more than one actor, rather. And that allows people to you know, pick, not have to narrow it down so harshly and only pick one out of so many great performances. Emily Carey took it down last week with 41% of the vote. Fabian Frankel got in there at second with 14%. Patty Considine, 10%. Very solid. Yeah, uh, it's kind of odd to think about how um, Emily Carey's just not there anymore. <laughs> Which leads us to our new performers. I'm going to start right off and say Emma Darcy. Their birth scene was amazing. They did an amazing job with that. And I think that was intentional, not only to bookend what Rhaenyra had d seen and experienced with her mother, Emma, but also just to show immediately what an amazing actor this is, because that's a difficult thing to uh, to portray, I'm sure. Uh, so, yeah. Also, shout out to Matthew Needham, Larry Strong, really chilling poetry of and murder there and plotting. I got to hand it to him there. That was very good as well. I think it's worth pointing out that birth scene also showed what Alicent has gone through mm. and what many women around the world have gone through. It's, yeah. uh, you know, a tough uh, experience and uh, maybe something that a lot of times it focuses on men in battle. You know what I mean? A lot of times that's what we're shown or empathizing with, but there's women have something that I think they even kind of uh, jabbed at that. I was like, I took a lance in your arm. She's like, okay, good job. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was a part, part of that. <laughs> yeah, that was really good dialogue there. Uh, well, Sean, go ahead with yours. 
I'm really torn. I want to give credit to the kids. Mm, uh, I, I think if yeah. I'm mm. like, if I'm really pinned down, oh. I'm debating between Olivia Cook and the actor that played Aegon, which uh, Ty Tennant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, David Tennant's son. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I think that they he did a decent job, kind of like Jack Gleason did, or just kind of being a little punk. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but uh, but not without not being too over the top and not being quite as one dimensional either. Like we saw him have a little moment of shame. Like I think it's kind of bold for an actor to bear his ass. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Introduce yeah. himself to the world like that. And, right. Uh, um, <laughs> a little uh, awkward. <laughs> but but, you know, when when he got chastised a little bit, like a range of emotions went through him in that moment. And he also like seemed to I couldn't quite tell how much was him or the stunt stuntmen or whatever but the, the you know did a little fight scene and overall i don't know i was impressed i thought that the kids as a whole i'm kind of focusing on him but i i think that the uh <laughs> the strong kids <laughs> did a decent job of having a, a a different mentality and a mond you know kind of went through it anyway i I'm, I'm i'm happy with all the new actors coming on to the show and if i'm pinned down i, I think i'm gonna pick uh titanic Cool. Great. Great call. I'm glad you highlighted them, and we'll have plenty more to say about those characters and as well as the actors throughout the episode. Share, sure what will. about you? Uh, I did really like all the new kids, so I'm glad you highlighted them, but I'll have to give my shout out to Nana Blondell, who played uh, adult Lena, as well as I also really did like Emma Darcy, their performance as Rhaenyra. Um, it's, it's, it's mighty big shoes to fill. So, um, for both, I think those would be my two. Um, Cool. Right on. Uh, highlight plots slash scene. Some of my choices would actually be spoilery. There's some of them. They did some really clever foreshadowing, some more straightforward foreshadowing. There's just a lot of foreshadowing in this episode. So we'll talk about more of that on Saturday, obviously. But the, I just love that library shot in Pentos. To keep it simple, just that, that image of all those books. And then there's you, you get zoomed in shots where you can see some of the titles. And it, it just... I wish I had those books. <laughs> Ashea, what about you? Um, well, it's surprise, surprise. I picked Lena as a <laughs> highlight for me, and the Lena scenes were also some of my favorites. But my favorite scenes probably were the Aegon masturbating in the window and Alicent <laughs> coming in scene. And in addition to Alicent with Helena and Eamon. So really just the scenes with Alicent and her kids were um, my, my, maybe my real highlight um, nice. of the episode because I will, we'll get into it a little bit more, but I love a little weirdo. I really <laughs> like it. I like all, I like all three of Allison's little weirdos and she's got another kid that's, uh, in old town that it maybe is a little more normal. We'll see. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Uh, they may have sent away the one normal of the four. <laughs> is that something that I should know? They, that they, they didn't mention it. They have it not all. mentioned it. Okay. They have not yeah. mentioned it, but we have pretty much confirmed that the character does exist and will be introduced later. So we'll we'll talk more about that later as well. Sean, uh, what about you? I I really have a tough time this episode. There's there, there was a lot. I have I think I have more notes on this episode than any so far. So you know, ask me tomorrow or next week, and I'll probably say something different. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to say the scene when um, Lionel comes to resign, mm. and Viserys won't let him, and Allison is kind of part of that too. The the, the it's it, 
not only that scene, but sort of the follow up because she kind of pressed it. She's like, yes, what is the reason? <laughs> Give me you know? a clear explanation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really and then, and when she walks out, when she leaves, she kind of pauses in a hallway, kind of, I don't know, wondering if she pressed too hard, kind of realizing, you know, that, that, the turmoil that's pending, uh, you know, how much control she really has or should have. I I even wonder if maybe she's kind of pushed too hard to, I wonder if she's regretting some things like Mm. she, cause she also just turned down the olive branch from Rhaenyra and she seems to have more agency than in the past, but some of it is at the expense of Viserys, right? She's like, uh, this meeting's over. You're tired, honey. Mm-hmm. Let me fluff your pillow. Like she inserts herself into things and maybe he's going to make an enemy of herself or I, I, I'm not sure. But I, the fact that I'm thinking so much about it, there's five other almost every scene. It's like she's very that, pressed, I think. It's like she hasn't relaxed yeah. this entire 10 year period. She's been yeah. frustrated, paranoid, annoyed, angry for the entire decade. And well, that's going to take a toll, maybe. <laughs> Ashay, what? I question, by the way, how good a job she's done of preparing Aegon to rule. I don't, I uh, don't know. Yeah, maybe. maybe he's well studied and a good fighter, but I don't know if she she's hasn't convinced him he needs to yet. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ashay, what about you? Um, are we? What are we? What are We're you? on highlight plot scene. I gave mine. Oh, my bad. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I went backwards. <laughs> Highlight dragon moment for me. I'm going to say Vagar at night. It was just so heartbreaking, but also so epic. The dragon is just so majestic, despite being so ancient. And her slow coming around to what was being asked of her. And you got the sense that she didn't want to do it, but she still obeyed. And the, I liked the the caption in that scene where it says, Vagar wailing. Wailing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's part of what makes it so heartbreaking. And the, it, it illuminates a little more of the concept of the bond between Ryder and Dragon. Cause we've seen that consistently when, especially with the command Dracaris, they seem to have more information than just the command would tell them. You know, they, they seem to know what the target is just about every time. And that implies a little bit of a minor mind meld of types, uh, understanding uh, a minor bond, maybe a little supernatural element. And I thought that was highlighted super well, as well as just being beautifully shot. Rochea? Yes. I would say my favorite dragon moment was the most mythical, exotic dragon of them all. The pink dread. <laughs> the pig dread. Yeah, no, I, yeah, the pig dread, yes. No, I... I, I <laughs> I really liked the the scene a lot in general. Like I know that it was objectively like a pretty cruel prank for something for them for these boys to play considering this is such an important thing within their house to them as people. It was it was more extreme than just like showing up him a pig. Like that was a very cutting thing to do, but it was also a very high concept prank. It wasn't just like pushing a little boy around like they they came like the, the valarian boys and aegon came together and like decorated a pig they planned on what they were going to say planned what they were going to say like i appreciated it a lot uh, it was a, a, a sweet moment despite the cruelty and it was cruel but it was also <laughs> yeah. very funny but, yeah even has no apparently does not have a sense of humor it's, no because it, it's kind of funny <laughs> but like i get that <laughs> For him in particular, for Eamon, this is a very cutting thing to do. It's like hitting his sore spot. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's more extreme than just the pig. But still, like, I'm sure they've also just been bullying him beyond that one moment. Like, this is the the climax, the culmination of probably years of them picking on him. 
Yeah, yeah, probably. I wonder, did y'all do y'all think this was maybe a nod to the the book pig riding uh, from Tyrion and Joffrey? The Joffrey trying to make I thought of, ride? I, for me, I thought of uh, Clayton Shugs. I thought of the, oh, the, pig, uh, with the, the pig with yeah. wings sigil. So I, that's what I thought of. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sean, what was your highlight dragon moment? I I just do want to say real quick on the the pig thing that many times I try to remind myself watching these shows or stories that can't always expect 10 year olds to behave appropriately it might have been cruel but i I don't think that they fully understood how cruel they were being that you know they did it because it was funny you know i don't i don't think they are necessarily cruel boys they did it unintentionally like you know they they know they're being mean but i I, i'm trying to be a little forgiving well yeah they don't they don't fully understand the consequences i think which is exactly which is i think one of the like ominous themes here is they don't these are boys who don't understand the consequences of their actions like most children don't yet they have dragons yeah. <laughs> yes yes and royal point. titles and, and all this other stuff yeah it's like uh... i also want to point out it's sort of a parallel there's a lot of parallels in this episode of all sorts but but to the oh man bela yeah what's uh bela and reyna are the, the two twins yeah and, and Bela doesn't have her own dragon. No, Reina does. Reina has the uh, Rain, Okay, Bela. sorry. Bela does. I'm just, yeah, Bela has a dragon. Okay. But it, it's just, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing that from a couple different angles of, you know, what it's like when you're expected to have one and don't. You know, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's two of them there. Exactly. There's, it's just neat kind of mirroring there. Uh, Connor Cunningham, Super Chat, says, Who rode Vagar before Lena? Was it Visenya? It was Balon. It was the father of Viserys and Damon who think, rode, which is a fun concept because think about the idea that that's Damon's father. So Damon probably rode Vagar like with his father or something as a young boy, perhaps, or either way, spent possible. close time with Vagar, and then his future wife ends up bonding with Vagar. Yeah, because Damon was more like his father than Viserys was. So, so Vagar is very much tied to, to Damon's side of the family. Yeah. <laughs> I, by the way, that's my highlight moment was was Vagar and. Specifically, I appreciated that they seemed to get character out of the dragon. I don't know how to say it exactly, but it was clear that... Also, I, I need to ask this question. Is Are dragons boys or girls, or both, or neither? They're, they're bo- I, that is exactly right. They are both okay, neither yeah. boys and girls, but in the case of yeah. Vagar, she is a she-dragon. They call her the queen of all dragons in House okay. of the Dragon. That isn't really a term in Fire and Blood or anything, um, but that is what they've been referring to her as um, in House of the Dragon. So, yeah, she is a she-dragon. You can use that. But I tend to use non-binary they pronouns for most dragons because we don't know. But sometimes we do know, like, Melis, the Red Queen, or another one that, uh, like, Cyrax, who ha- hatched a clutch of eggs, you usually use she. But anyways, it, you can use they or she or he. Yeah, it's usually, it's like... In real nature, that they can ch- change sex sometimes based on certain circumstances, based on like what, yeah. what else is around them, environmental stuff. And Septon Barth, we have an episode on him, discusses that at length. He this theory is considered ridiculous to some in world, but given we know it exists in the real world, we we think Septon Barth is probably right, and there's other evidence for it too. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder if that makes us pay attention to other stuff Septon Barth says. If he's oh like, yeah, <laughs> got uh, yeah. that figured out. We have a Septon Barth anyway, is always I, right kind of motto. General, okay, that's kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I like that Vagar. They were able to uh, demonstrate emotion from her. You know, she seemed reluctant, disappointed. Maybe she even knows pain and loss. That it felt like there's a certain wisdom with Vagar, and 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 even in other scenes, you could see that. She's, 
I don't know what word I want to use, tattered a little bit, worn, old, still powerful, huge, fast everything, but, you know, maybe vulnerable in ways? I don't know. Anyway, I was very intrigued by that. Maybe my favorite dragon scene of all of the whole Game of Thrones world, everything we've mm, seen on screen wow. of dragons, that might have been my favorite one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, look at that thing. Jeez. So look at the scratches, like the wounds and the, just the age. It's so well done. Yeah. Just the, the blinking of the eyes. I just want to give so much credit to their what they could get out of that yeah. that moment there. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some themes and patterns that help us set up our discussions for the rest of the episode. Children, of course, are a big part of the episode, but not just the existence of children, but the circumstances around their existence and the denial of that, those circumstances. Obviously, parentage being the main thing there. And, of course, Laris's chilling speech about children being a weakness and, and all that and the philosophy that he's espousing there. Death by fire, both foreshadowed and literal. We got Lena, Harwin, and Lionel literally dying to fire and a goat. <laughs> and I think careful what you wish for is a major one this time. There's a number of people that want something but get a different version of it. And it's not all at all a good version of the thing they wanted. We'll be pulling that up frequently here as we move through different topics I wonder if those two kids that weren't dragons might get them and it's not what they thought it was going to be uh, That's down the road. That's entirely not sure. possible. I, yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but I've thought that a lot about the original Game of Thrones story, how all the Stark kids all had this idea of something yeah. they wanted. They all kind of got it and it was not what they really wanted. You know? You're totally right. That's a great call. I didn't think to connect it to the Stark children, but yeah, I do remember you talking about that before and I, 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 that was a really good good point. Uh, so 10 years, the choice to jump straight into Rhaenyra's birth of Joffrey is uh, strong, <laughs> pun intended, of course. It connects Joffrey to Joffrey. We go from Joffrey Lonmouth to Joffrey Valarian. It's a neat way to connect those two moments that are so far apart, uh, a way to keep the audience sort of connected despite such a huge amount of time passing. In this first scene, three of the four new adult actors are shown right away, too. So two of them right away, and then Alicent not long after. So you get to see them together and show off their acting skills really quickly as well. Shows how far the relationship between Rainier and Allison has fallen as well. Uh, you immediately, what was pretty clearly happening <laughs> is now confirmed to have happened. She's demanding, you know, bring the child to me right away. And then she's pretending like she didn't really ask for that or was asking for some, someone else to bring the kid, etc. Uh, and Kristen Cole's in the scene, too. Even get him thrown in just to have that moment of awkwardness, which I feel like that's what got Lenor thinking about Joffrey. I mean, surely he thinks of Joffrey often anyway, but that may have been why he pushed for the name kind of awkwardly there, like aggressively without talking to Rainier about it. Um, I wondered, by the way, if that was to demonstrate to us that Kristen is now guarding Alicent and not Rainier. I think that, too. Yeah, I think it, I think it yeah. effectively I like, think it was very efficient. Ostensibly... <laughs> Rhaenyra has her own man now to take care of her, right? Yeah. So they don't need to have a guard around her all the time. And obviously there's all sorts of other reasons why there might be rifts or shifting of alignments or whatever. But I would guess she I mean she still would have a King's Guard assigned to her. It's just not Kristen. But she I I I'm sure that one of the King's Guard is still Rhaenyra's King's Guard. Yeah, and we even, saw even with her married to Lenor. I mean. And we saw him there. It was either Eric or Arik behind like behind them on the steps. So there was a King's Guard with her. He just didn't say anything. Eric and Arik are twins, so it's it's pretty hard to tell which is which. <laughs> it's, 
This is another thing I've thought a lot too, and I don't want to spend too much time on it right now, but just the idea that the nature of the King's Guard would, would shift so much in different scenarios mm-hmm. that like sometimes they might just be babysitters. Yeah. And when in moments like this, when there are like six or whatever kids to keep track yeah. of versus no kids to keep track of, you know, sometimes the king might have all five, five or six of the King's Guard just around him all the time. Sometimes when do they sleep they've got to be like <laughs> assistants and sub guards and night shifts or something but anyway i it's it's i'm sure there's a lot of interesting logistics would come into play around all that yeah and what did you make of the trail of blood i mean obviously it's shows how tough rainier is what she's dealing with and but also it's pretty symbolic i mean it, it kind of references the intro yeah. sequence all the blood in the hallways and everything and Kristen cole standing right there but the, but ultimately it leads to the queen to queen allison so yeah there's blood between them for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah in a lot of ways like she's leaving a trail of blood behind her i Mm -hmm. was wondering if that was foreshadowing or something that might come or yeah it it it, there was a lot there was a lot in that moment (laughs) and so there's this line from allison do keep trying sir lanor sooner or late you may get one who looks like you that is straight from fire and blood so we're we're happy that line was included even though it's a pretty mean thing to say but it also gets to the point very efficiently like yeah she's mad and i kind of understand why she's mad i don't agree with how she reacts to it but she had to do her duty she had to sleep with her leprosy infested husband and these two who aren't gross (laughs) (laughs) can't even make do like he's obviously not into her because he's gay but like they can't get it together to just do their duty like she i can understand why she's mad about that again don't condone how she reacts to it but the actual being mad over that i get that yeah and i have to say a lot of people are giving allison a hard time for i mean i i her line to Lanor was obviously it was very mean um but we're giving her a hard time for rhaenyra choosing to go walk up these stairs but i just have to say Allison didn't ask for that. Allison asked to see the baby, thinking the baby would be brought to her, not, not that Rhaenyra would get up and come. Yeah. And in fact, when Allison sees Rhaenyra there, Allison is genuinely very concerned for her and conscientious and wants to get her a cushion. And Rhaenyra is just steely eyed about it. Again, Rhaenyra clearly thought this was the right move or, or whatever. I don't know, but I, Allison didn't ask for this. So I really think people are giving Allison too hard of a time for <laughs> this moment that Allison did not make happen. Actually. Yeah, there's plenty of other things to criticize her for. <laughs> and I, she also I, seemed I genuinely like happy to see the child. Like that was like a real genuine look of, of, Oh, this, you know, she was not Lenor, but the baby, when she held the baby herself, that was a genuine, like, I know I'm a mother and this is a baby and I like that. You know, that was very just kind of wholesome split second there. I generally agree with you that I don't think she wanted or expected Rhaenyra to actually come like that. But also, it's still pretty messed up the moment the baby is born to be taken from the mother's arms and caught carted yeah. off somewhere else. So, like, that's still a pretty messed up thing to ask. I couldn't help but wonder... Exactly what were the instructions? What if Rhaenyra yeah. didn't go for five, ten minutes, an hour? Like, are guards going to come and yeah, yeah. grab her and care what? I think she could have waited. I think she wanted to make a statement yes. as much as Allison did. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I think for sure. And you're right that 
it was extreme for Allison to ask to see the baby right then. But again, the the, the thing might have the message that she gave might have been like, as soon as the baby's born, I want to see. Like she might not have been very specific to whoever passed that along. It was it was yeah, a power yeah. move. It was, I think it fits with the theme of care for what you wish for. It was a power move that went awry for yeah. both of them. Yeah, like, yeah. she didn't expect yeah. Rainier to have to walk up the stairs, but she also didn't expect. You know, or she did expect the kid to be brought to her, but not under these circumstances. So, yeah, it, it didn't go well. I also wondered if the reason Allison wanted to see the baby. Now, she still doesn't need to see it immediately, no. but she wanted to see. Does it look like? Yeah. Plain yeah. Or yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh. She wanted, is this another strong kid? Great. Yeah. You know, and that might be another reason Renera wanted to go because she might have wanted to be in a room to keep that type of talk to a minimum. Right? You, yeah. You know? She whispered that to Lenor. She didn't say it out loud. Yeah. So you're, I think she that's a good point. To the room. For sure. Yeah. I wondered a little bit, Renera, if she was suspicious of the baby's safety, you know, like, I'm not letting this baby out of my she sight. She looked a little I, anxious about it, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if Allison's going to, like, murder the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of crazy, but she's a but, new, you know, but, but, yeah. new mother. Like, she's stressed out, just gave yeah. a prep birth, you know. Which, yeah, Allison, and Allison has given birth four times over now, so Allison yeah. knows how Rhaenyra should be feeling right now. I, yeah, I, I have to think that yeah. there's a chance that maybe Allison did not feel so many such a pang for her own children. <laughs> and so she can't relate to Rhaenyra's uh, level of caring, perhaps. Like, there is a little bit of a distance between Allison and her children um, compared to Rhaenyra and hers, I think. Yeah. So, Lenor comes across as decent, but uh, spoiled. And... He's not fully bought into the fatherhood thing. Like he, he does his part, as he says, but he's not great at it because it's hard to fake being a father. Like you can't fake something so complicated and consuming with no experience at it, right? He's not, it's not like he's also someone else's father and can just pretend these kids are also his, but he, you know, he has no experience in child rearing. At all. so He also doesn't seem to have much interest in it, to be fair. True. Right? He doesn't seem to have a lot of interest in it. You're right. I would agree. And he does have a new lover that clearly takes up a lot of his time. Rainier points out he's like buying fancy horses, drinking great wine. Yeah, he's not not the most serious person, but again, not a bad guy either. Like he's he, he's decent. That's what I'm I think that's a solid enough <laughs> aspect there, at least from what we've seen so far. You know, there's we haven't seen the end of him. Meanwhile, the opposite. Harwin seems like he would be a great father, or at least comes across pretty well in a lot of ways. But he's got a much harder job. It's one thing to pretend to be a father. Just get, pretending not to be a father, that sounds way harder. <laughs> and he's not doing a very good job of that either. He's about right. as subtle as Joffrey Lama. <laughs> 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 right? Like... <laughs> Yeah. When when like the kid is picking up on it, right? Yeah. Like I mean, it was I I feel like they're not even trying to hide it. It's a hard thing to fake for all parties involved. I mean, yeah. and I think they're and, it's one of the things that's that's that is in denial, people are in denial about. That's why it's such a major theme in the episode is people either accept this thing that they're in denial about, and they're just like going along with it even though they know it's complete nonsense, but there's several people who really don't understand just how obvious it is. They're in denial about how much everybody else knows, and they are abused, disabused of that notion in this episode very thoroughly. I want to I want to to convey a thought I had about this scenario, and, and I because it might play into almost everything we talk about. I feel like uh, Allison. Part of what upsets Allison is she's like t to her. This seems so obviously wrong, and everyone knows. 
and no one's doing anything about it. And maybe it's a little yeah. bit worse too, because she's worried about like a threat on her kids. And like, look, I'm not like if Renera's not even gonna follow the rules, if those kids aren't even truly born to the you know, the ostensible husband, like I'm not gonna let this is not gonna put my kids' lives in danger. This is not gonna put my position and my family in danger if they're not even playing the game, right? Yeah. I, so I can see this extra layer of frustration with her. But I feel like Viserys and, and some of Allison's frustration is with him for not acknowledging it. But I feel like in his mind, he's like, look, I know what's going on. I'm not stupid, but just be cool with it. If I can be cool with it, you can be cool with it. Yeah. If, like <laughs> you, you, you can see what's happening and you expect me to also. You're right. I can see what's happening. I can be cool with with, with what's happening, and you can too. Otherwise, it's civil cool war. This, yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. You don't realize what's going to happen if this does become known. So let's just accept it and not make a big deal out of it. And everyone could just be happy, or we can have a civil war. And I, I, you know, it seems like maybe he's yeah being ignorant to it, but I don't think he is. He's just trying to keep peace. And if Allison could play the game he's playing, there would just be peace. She wouldn't have to worry about her kids, but it's still, that's still a little naive thought too, because think about the scene he sees play out in the courtyard, even if he and Allison and Rhaenyra and everyone quote unquote, pretty much everyone goes along with this. Everyone isn't going to go along with this. There's going to be a Kristen Cole. There's going to be a horror when there's going to be some hothead, some mistake, some person who realizes it in a wrong moment, in a wrong place, and it's going to blow up. And it's maybe it's just inevitable. I'm, I'm kind of guessing that scene in a courtyard is foreshadowing. That was, right? yeah, maybe that, or and, and as well, it was the inevitable. Of course, it's partly triggered by Allison asking for something out loud that she didn't understand the consequences of, which is which turns out to be one of the biggest ironies of the episode. She says to Kristen after he admonishes himself for calling Rhaenyra the c-word there, and she's and he's like, "Okay, yeah. that was beneath me. I shouldn't have said that." And he's, she's like, "We have to be about honor and justice, and I have you know, and all that, and then decency, decency, yeah. decency exactly." And then, so you know. In a vacuum, all right, yeah, let's be about honor and justice and decency. Sure, that sounds good. But she ends up, you know, by the end of the episode, she's realized she's accidentally gotten her wish from Laurie Strong, the most evil thing we've seen, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and this, so this and, is what she wished for was honor and justice and decency. And that's what she gets instead. And Kristen Cole, she, meanwhile, goes off and goads Harwin into revealing the secret that they were all just keeping under wraps because he thought that's what she wanted as well. So it's like, yeah. Uh, also ironic, ironic that after she, you know, pleads to Kristen for honor decency, she walks in on her son. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that is literally what Allison does. You she should says, be king. Well, no, a couple of things there. One is, yes, yeah, she says that you should be king right after she sees him, him not just masturbating, but masturbating standing in a window. Like, I, I think that is not to be ignored. Yeah. Um, looking out over everyone. But uh, before she talks to Laris and says oh i wouldn't be so blind i wouldn't i wouldn't be blind like viserys i i, I see my kids as they are but blah blah, blah. like no you you definitely you really are blind don't. to your children 
Yeah. You really, really don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. even Viser- I mean, even Viserys, when they bring up the prank, right? Viserys goes, are you sure our Aegon wasn't the the ringleader of this? And Allison's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. And then she know. confronts him, and then she believes him? What kind yeah, of... Yeah. What do you, how do you believe... That, like, how do you just I take mean, him in? A- no, I mean, no, it was the younger kids that did it. I mean, Aegon literally calls <laughs> like, okay. Aemon a twat during yeah. that, as, you know... <laughs> which gets her... Which, to be fair, that's the thing that upsets her more. She's like, no, it doesn't... She's like, well, it doesn't even really matter who started it. The point is, you should be defending your brother. You guys are supposed to be a team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which that I'm uh, that much I'm like okay, that that I agree with her on that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it is it, it, the denial does creep into everyone's children here, and uh, lots of different people's views of these children. Yeah, I mean, compare Aegon on high like that above everyone, and consider that he could be king, and compared to like Bran, who's we saw looking down from the towers and his second chapter ever and how that's a metaphor for him being king eventually and being a green seer and looking down on everyone, but he's happy with it. He's looking down and looking at all the different people and looking at all the different jobs they're doing and thinking about how it works together. He sort of seems a bit worthy of it, at least in that sense, or at least not someone who would make it about himself. Whereas what is Aegon doing? <laughs> Just, nah, this is, this is what I think of you all. This is what I get out of this. He's looking up. He's not even looking down. So, anyway. Um, let's move on. Uh, the small council scene is pretty interesting as well. There's been a lot of changes. We get to see some new members. Let's talk about that first. Set the stage. Alicent, of course, is there. Rainy, and she's got her father's uh, little quorum ball, um, mouth ball, dragon ball thing. Rhaenyra is there uh, in her capacity as heir, apparently, which makes a lot of sense. Viserys is there, of course. Lionel, of course, he's there, but won't be (laughs) anymore. So presumably we're getting Otto coming back if she gets her wishes there. Tyland is still master of ships. We now have Jasper Wilde as master of laws. In Fire and Blood, his nickname is Ironrod. I don't know if that's his nickname in this as well, but it probably is. Probably. It says it is on the guide. Oh, it does? Okay, cool. So, yeah. Iron Rod, he has, like, one line, and it's to denigrate Damon. So, that right there tells you something. <laughs> Did you catch that, Sean? Did you notice that? Or was that kind of hard to tell? Because I don't know. If, if you don't have subtitles on, I'm not sure if you know that it's even him speaking. I usually do watch with subtitles, but there uh, there are a few times when... uh. It's hard to keep up with, uh, especially new characters. Like, yeah. I don't know their names. Yeah, it's a- well, what's interesting is House Wild is in the Narrow Sea area. They're on the uh, lower portion of the Blackwater Bay area near Massey's Hook. So possibly... They're the ones named after uh, Zach, Zach Wild, Wild and mm-hmm. Ozzy Osbourne guitarist, right? That's right. right. Yeah. yeah, the spiral and everything. Spiral sigil and everything. Yeah. <laughs> So we also have Lyman Beesbury still in there in Master of Coin. There's an implication that he's slowing down a bit. Um, that's quickly delivered there. Orwile seems to have replaced Melos, which I think we're supposed to assume is why Viserys is still alive. Not necessarily because Melos was poisoning him, but because he w- isn't as good a healer as Orwile. Maybe he was poisoning him. I, I'm not saying he wasn't or was for sure. But the change in Maester is certainly a factor in why... Viserys is not only alive, but seems to be doing a little better. Like he's not doing badly. You know, he's not. He's not. He didn't have any fainting or bloody noses this time. Considering how we left him, and ten years have passed, I like. I, you know, even if he's doing the same, it's pretty good to be doing the same after ten years, given where he was at before. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 
I was hoping for some some line of dialogue about that maester change. What happened to the old one or why did he just die and this guy took over or did he get fired or was yeah. there some I assume he yeah. died. That is what happens in Fire and Blood. He just the guy was old and okay. he passed. Okay. So that that's what we're kind of assuming here. Uh, that's a pretty safe assumption, but we'll keep an eye out for other information. It was a little suspicious to me too that that Beesbury guy was still there if he's like I don't know how much of that was supposed to be him like losing mental capacity or just not focused in the moment. But if he's losing mental capacity, Lionel Strong seems to be doing a good job as a hand. He should speak up, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just more of a maybe he's distracted. Maybe or, he's generally yeah. maybe he's generally a good hand, but at this moment he's distracted. And it might be yeah. new that Lyman is slipping. This might be like the Recently, first yeah. or the first five times that he slipped up like this. And so yeah, that that's coming. You know what I mean? But uh, he does have other things on his mind right now. But it yeah. it's possible that Lyman hasn't been like this for five years or something, but for six months. He also yeah. might delegate yeah. well. Like maybe Lyman has a good staff and things are still yeah. running smoothly yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, he, yeah, that's he might fact, still be pretty good. That's what job. I'm picking. That's my head yeah. 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 Things are going fine because he has good people surrounding him. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Uh, there's still no master whispers, but Allison has clearly been using Larry's for that. More on that later. That's a whole topic by itself. We won't. We don't. There's need... no named master whispers. Right. Yeah. There is one, but he's not <laughs> on the council. That's yeah, that's a good way to put it. Now, there's a very interesting change in Rainier's character. I think this is meant to show maturity. Rainier's take on the Bracken Blackwood situation. What did you think of that, Sean? Like she thinks that they should intervene, maybe based on what she saw happen with their duel in front of her so long ago. Well, also that she and Allison are. There in the council meeting, that's I was really happy about that. Yeah. That they were like present in part. They were they spoke and they were listened to, or mostly at least. It seemed like when Renero wasn't listened to, it was Allison's fault. <laughs> but uh, but I, I was really happy to see that they were being involved in the decision making process or in the room where it happens. To ha, 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 Hamilton. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that was cool. And she had a nice. She had even had a plan. She was like, "Well, we should be able to find out where those boundary stones were by talking to locals." So that's that's insightful. I think that just shows competence. So yeah, that was kind of the point. So she's yes. matured. She's more competent. But also, Allison was kind of like annoyed by it, and didn't. I think Rainier came out looking better in that moment for sure. But the next moment when they talk about the stepstones is a little less clear, though. It's definitely getting important again. It's mentioned here. And in Pentos by the Prince of Pentos and by Lenor talking to Rhaenyra through uh, via Carl Corey, his new lover. This is where it isn't as clear. All right. They argue about whether they should have defended it, built watchtowers and all that. I'm not sure that Rhaenyra is right in this case. Allison says they can't afford it. I don't know whether that's true or not. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. It seems like they could maybe have prioritized it. But so I tend to think Rainier is probably right, but I definitely, you know, there's, I don't, I haven't seen the numbers, you know, <laughs> what do you think, Sean? Yeah, <laughs> they they probably haven't seen the numbers either. I wonder sometimes how they calculate some of these decisions. Yeah. Like, I mean, not even just like in, I don't know, ancient or medieval times, even just like 50 years ago. I don't know how people made business decisions. Computers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the U.S. economy works. But then again, <laughs> if uh, Carl Corey's getting bags of sapphires off pirate maybe they should look into getting some money there you know (laughs) so anyway the marriage offer is of course a very huge moment here Uh, jace to helena it does make a ton of sense like you said this is careful what you wish for in her efforts to not to expose rainier's children she's refusing what should be a really great compromise just like you said viserys is like i can get over it why can't you yeah this is 
such an obviously great step towards peace that she just abjectly refuses. She's just completely not into it. And she says, over my dead body. I mean, it's sad. <laughs> it's like, damn. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I really was, ex- I guess I almost maybe, I should have known better, right? Yeah. It was like too easy. It was too good to be true that, that Renera was offering this olive branch. And then it did seem like such a good plan. And it, Viserys was like, yes, yes, that's a great idea. And Allison was like, no, I don't think so. Look, this meeting's over. I, yeah. It didn't occur to me until just right before the our stream here. I, I watched it three times, and it wasn't until the third time when it clicked in my brain. It's like she doesn't wear her son to marry a bastard yeah. or her daughter. Yeah, right? like exactly. She, that's just yeah. an extra layer I wasn't considering. There's like maybe some stubbornness, some frustration, some 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 I don't know headbutting. She doesn't want to give in or give her credit. All these things, but on top of that it wouldn't be legitimate. She's worried about how that might play out when it's already an issue. It wouldn't matter if she just accepted it as it was. I wonder if Asaris, again, we have a much different story, but if what if he's like, yep, they're bastards, but it doesn't matter. I legitimize them. I use my power as king and they're legitimate. Like, I wonder how that would go over, you know? I guess just because he says Rhaenyra is a queen, they don't expect that to go over, so. yeah. So yeah, you're good takes there, Sean. It, it, it also one of the other things I think that makes it so tragic is her her the thing imparted to her by her father was Rainier is going to kill your kids, but why would that happen if they're married? So like she, but she just doesn't either. She doesn't see that, or she just hates this idea of bastardy so much. And this is one of the things I think is very unappealing about Allison's stance, and something that's going to make a lot of people. Uh, feel differently about her if they didn't already have an opinion based on fire and blood or what have you, which is that this is a recurring theme throughout A Song of Ice and Fire. Is it rules or right? Like, were Ares's King's Guard right to keep their oaths, even though he was just evil guy that was just brutally murdering and doing evil deeds? Like, shouldn't it? Is their oath really that much more important? Corn Halfhand would say no. Your honor is coined to be spent for the realm. Your honor is a personal thing. You can't hold that above like people's lives and and true justice. And I think that's something we can a lot of us will agree with. Allison is holding this societal prejudice against bastards she's putting it way too high on the priority list against preventing civil war and things like that is should be way more important you know but so she's sticking to the rules at the cost of decency and 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 peace uh yeah torn torn loyalties and and vows to multiple people right that was a constant thing like you you know the the king's guard they're supposed to defend the king but also the queen and a prince and a princess right so like sometimes you might have to choose you know and it, we even had a bit where oh, i forgot who it was now but they're like you know if joffrey says bring me his horse okay just bring him his horse if joffrey yeah. says slaughter all the horses come talk to me first yeah, you know? yeah great <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah uh they like and you know that's kind of like part of the modern american military is you know you you don't blindly follow all the orders. You know, you are supposed to, there's, you know, among other things, there's like a commander's intent. Are we following that? Mm. There's a, you know, you learn about the Geneva code and different things like that, that are more fundamental than an order that a superior is giving you. Um, although sometimes you don't have the time or wherewithal to consider all that in the heat of the moment that's or in the heat of the battle. But that's not quite where we're at right now, right? Like, it seems like a council meeting is a great place to figure this type of thing out, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, uh, and if not in the council meeting, maybe in private with a couple members of the council meeting. But one quick thought I had about Alicent, I wonder if part of what's going on with her is that sometimes when you have, uh, when you have something that you want, 
and you get something different than you expected, even if it's better, you're still disappointed with it. Mm, Does that make sense? And I wonder if Mm -hmm. on some level that's what's going on with Alice. She wants things to go down a certain way and she's kind of got a plan or a vision. Yeah. And even when something better is offered to her, she just can't see that she still is on this one track. She wants Rainier's children out. She doesn't want them killed. She doesn't certainly doesn't want her kids to marry them. She wants them disinherited. You know, if yeah. it was if the yeah. truth was exposed about them, they probably wouldn't be killed. They would I, they would just be disinherited. I mean, maybe Harwin Allison, would be killed. You know, Harwin would be killed. But no, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think wall. Allison or anyone can really be confident on how those boys would be treated. Everyone uh, yeah, is acting I agree as that. if they would be killed, and I think that is of not a paranoid idea. I, I think I agree. I think Al, what Alice, a good example of maybe what Allison wants is maybe not entirely realistic. It's maybe too risky to get yeah. that exact precise outcome that she wants. And I think that's what Sean is saying here is that she's too hung up on a very precise outcome I mean, rather it, than a, an out, a good outcome. And it's like literally what Allison is saying to Aegon that he's he's blind and that he's like, no, like what you don't understand is you're the threat. You're the challenge. It's like those boys are the threat. There's no world in which they can just be disinherited. Their very existence is a threat to her children if they're ruling. If she thinks that her children are a threat, then the the, the then she should be able to understand that Rhaenyra has to feel the same yeah. thing. Yeah. she's not yeah. able to look at her her own their her situation in the mirror. There, you're totally right. I think. Yeah, she's she only sees it for put them on the King's Guard real quick. It's that whole <laughs> denial about your own kids, and you can't see it's you can't see yeah. your children as other people's children, things like that. Yeah, it's a that's a great take. Um, so Laris takes her even more literally, of course, as we saw the, the the plant is all over her chambers now. That's a really strong uh, symbolism there. That same strong plant that, pun intended. Strong, yes, strong. strong, of course, always <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. So that that same plant he introduced her to is all over flower. her chambers. Yeah. For what it's worth, what's that? The hibiscus. Yeah, flower. it's a hibiscus. Yeah, he calls it like the malau, but it's yeah, some other in world name. But it's a ty- but, yeah. like a type of hibiscus type flower. They have them all over Hawaii. It's the state flower. <laughs> yeah. So not only is the the plant all over her chambers, the hibiscus, but so is he. He seems to be just he could just be in there now. He can have he just has dinner with her. They they chill regularly, uh, and this is just showing the he's sort of a symbol of one or at least one large example of. Compromising your values due to perceived threats this is what power does to people. You being close to the center of power puts you at risk from all the other people who are close to the center of power who are chewed up by that engine. And you have to compromise your own values to stay alive and or you believe you do. So, yeah, when when it's a very common theme when supreme power or death are two apparent outcomes. I mean, Cersei said it best. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. There's no middle ground. So that's just kind of what's driving a lot of people's actions here. Yeah, um, like, look, as we've said with Aegon, perfect example that Ashea just explained. Um, and it's very karmic that Otto passed down this paranoia to Alicent, which she is in turn passing on to Aegon. And it's intense, right? She grabs him and yells at him and is like, how stupid are you for not seeing this? And she's like, you didn't see it at your age. I mean, yeah, I know. And her, her father dealt with her a lot more delicately yeah. than she dealt with her son um, right there. Yeah. Otto is a little although, more composed. <laughs> although she followed the rules a little better than her son is. Yeah. That's true. Right? too. Yeah. She, she listened to her father. She read the books. She, etc. That's true. That's that is true. That's a good point. Yeah. So let's talk about the children a bit more. Yeah, just kind of explain them all a bit more and, and lay out some of these characters and what we learned. 
Uh, we have Jace, whose dragon is Vermax. He's the one who seems to have figured out who his real father is. So that's that's interesting and, and very sad. It's heartrending to see what it, 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 we talk about how tough it was for the father and a little bit for the mother. But it's toughest m- way harder to understand how hard it is for him. Like this is something I, I find harder to fathom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Because he's a child. Like, yeah, I, I, I you know. think for, for me, what gets me is that he has to feel so mixed up about the shame of it all. Like, it's mm. not just like, oh, who's my real father? It's, is it sh- a shameful thing for this man to be my father? Like, like, right. it, 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 I, but like this guy, Harwin, has been really nice to him and a good father figure. So I imagine he feels like he shouldn't feel such resentment towards him but i would guess jace does feel that resentment yeah, you're right very conflicted which is a really amazing thing to be able to do is to lay out extreme conflict for an eight-year-old and to make it pretty <sighs> clear like that's really powerful like yeah is he supposed to hate his father for cheating on the princess or cheating on the husband or whatever or is is he supposed to hate himself for being a bastard he's taught that bastards are bad especially royal bastards like they're the cause of civil wars and all this strife is he does he like is he gonna have loathe himself or blame himself or he he might feel resentment towards lanor yeah yeah Yeah. how could you let this other man uh, or even like who are you to tell you're not my real dad you can't tell me where to go you know like yeah and then and then no then we have little Luke, who's even younger, trying to deal with all this. And we don't know what his read on it is. But, yeah, Harwin is around a good bit playing with them. So you have to think that it might be on Luke's radar, too, even though he's a couple years younger. Now, and Joffrey almost has it easier. He never meets his father, his true father, yeah. which almost makes it better. Like, that's, from my own perspective, that's how it works. I never really met my father, but I had half-siblings that came from a different mother and they all resented him when he left them because they were old enough to remember it. So I'm like, well, I probably would have resented him more if I was old enough to remember him leaving, but I was six months old. So I feel like this gives me some perspective on what it's going to be like for Joffrey. It's hard to miss someone as thoroughly when you never actually knew them, right? He can miss the idea of having a father or his true father and all that, but it's, it's just an idea. It's not, he doesn't have any, anything to form that idea around no real person to, to imagine. Yeah, and you know, Rainier doesn't really address this with Jace. Like, I don't know if this will be a conversation that will come up again or this is just kind of the end of it between them. But do we think she should have come clean or do you think she needs to leave him with not, like... I think she probably should explain it now. I mean, she I think she was in denial about them figuring it out. It was one of the many levels of denial that she had was she never considered he would figure it out not at this age anyway because she seemed like legitimately like what do i do when he brought it up he was she looked first she was looking to see if luke could hear yeah and then she's like you're a targaryen that's all that matters you know (laughs) she was like she just had to think of something like diplomatic to diffuse the situation for now and then yeah but i do think she uh, she has to explain it more later but i don't know that she will i don't know if she will she may be kind of handling like her father just willful denial that's the party line. They never deviate from that. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> certainly, even with Harwin gone, the allegations aren't just going to disappear. So we'll, we should still get Jace's reaction to his strong heritage or whether he... 
I, I would be very curious actually to see the, those kids interact with Laurie Strong oh, with, uh, like, yeah. like, cause they, they have to realize at some point, like, oh, that's my father's brother. That's my uncle. Like, like, would they make that connection in their mm, brain at point. all? I wonder. But now they're going to be raised a Dragonstone instead. That's just, oh, yeah, that's a good yeah, point. You know? They won't, so they they won't, won't happen see now. him around. I mean, they may think of him, but they won't have contact yeah. with him. And other dragons will be raised to Dragonstone as well, which is also significant because the Dragon Pit and Dragonstone are different. Dragons supposedly get bigger uh, if they're raised on Dragonstone. Of course, that requires a bit of time to pass, but <laughs> we do have a little more time to pass, but <laughs> not huge amounts, probably. Yeah, for what it's worth, yeah, we will get another time jump. So these children that we're seeing are not the actors that we'll have for the length of the show yeah they are gonna right. age up again so don't get too attached to any of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah Aegon's dragons by mentioned way, I... sunfire by the way uh mm. if y'all didn't know and what, what you say sean i i fully appreciate the challenges of making this show you know like they've got a lot of material to give out they're they're going through some time jumps they've got to switch actors audiences kind of want to see some dragon action. They don't want it, this to stretch out for 10 years because it's hard to keep everyone together. And, you know, the, the lessons learned from Game of Thrones and such. But all that said, they're going through a lot really fast. And I, I would love to have gotten an episode through Jace's eyes. Yeah, That would be mm -hmm. really neat to see a little more drama play out, a little bit more. Because, like, Harwin, I don't they, – they seem to present him like he was a good guy, but – I don't really know. We only have like seven total lines of dial. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure. Can I say, how Sean? Much, uh, I, yeah. Uh, you, you, you. I really liked. Uh, you, you brought up the idea, the concept of seeing this through Jace's eyes, which is really interesting mm -hmm. to me because they they keep they they've referred to this sixth episode as kind of a second pilot, and how we have, they have to introduce all these other characters. And in the first pilot, it's very much through Rhaenyra, through Millie's eyes, and so the idea of, of focusing even more on the second generation is. Really is not where I would have chosen to go with that. I, 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 I agree with them focusing in on Emma as Rhaenyra and on, and on Rhaenyra. But if this was a 12 episode season, mm. then they could exactly. have time yeah. to do something yeah. like that. And I, I do think that it's a gamble either way for them, whether they do these time jumps or whether they take their time, whether it's too slow or too fast. Like it's a gamble on, on what audience are going to resonate with. They went with the one they thought was a sure thing. And as it turns out, this is a huge hit and they maybe could have taken their time with these characters, but <laughs> they didn't know that for sure. Yeah. But I do think that and a middle ground would have been just like just a, a 12 episode season where you have a little bit more time because I think that the, these, this, the, the Valarian strong boys and the Lena and Damon and Pentos plot line needed a little bit of breathing room. I do. And I, I do think yeah. audiences have felt that like pretty unanimously among people who really love the season are still like, it could be a little slower right here. Yeah. Right here. It does seem that yeah. I've, I've seen that a lot too. Yeah. It's a, uh... Obviously, there's mostly just high praise for the show, but yeah, that is one the, the probably the biggest recurring criticism. Like, I wish there was a little more spaced out. When your nitpick is, I wish there were more episodes. It's a good nitpick. Show's good. You're yeah, kicking right, it. Right, exactly. When people will just say, "I wish yeah. there was more." I mean, it's basically what they're saying. We want more. Yeah. So yeah, that, you're totally right. That is the best criticism. <laughs> uh, so Helena, also, we haven't really talked about her much yet. She's into bugs, and there's hints she's a dreamer, which is another quirk of. Viserys is obsessed with dreamers and the idea of dream, but he hasn't noticed that his grandchild has this trait, apparently, because he would probably spend time with her. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, 
I know you. You would think Viserys and Helena would be spending time together. You're right, and it seems like they generally would have other things in common besides the dreams. With her like interest and a hobby of looking at bugs and his model interest, like they both. What? Yeah, yeah. What? Yes, Sean. What's making you guys say she's a dreamer? Okay, not that I disagree, but what's the? Okay, there's the three things she says. The first one is just yeah. being predictive. She says, "Oh, he he did it again." When Aemon comes in, she knows that he was going after a dragon. That's just get, understanding her brother. So that's nothing. It's a good guess by itself. Yeah. That's yeah. just a guess. The next thing she says is uh, he'll ha- he'll have to close his eye first when she's talking about getting a dragon. That's the have to open his eye. No, close, no, close, close. And- a close, close oh, but sure. also an eye. An eye, yes. You have to close an eye yeah, first. Yeah, just one eye, yes. which I thought was interesting. Which is a long-standing metaphor for losing an eye to get power. That's like the Odin, mm, like Blood Odin. Raven, yeah, yeah. other examples, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, third. Oh, yeah. By the way, I just want to say real quick, Helena is Viserys' daughter, not grandchild. We said grandchild. Oh, I'm right sorry. There. Whoops. Yeah, yeah whoops. I didn't mean to say it's that. Yeah, so it's daughter. It's just that he looks so ancient yeah. and decrepit that we How could you make that mistake? I know. Yeah. How yeah. could you make that mistake? <laughs> but absolutely, absolutely. It's even more... Uh, it's even know, more egregious that he has to spend more time yeah. with her. Uh, but uh, but, yes, but yeah. yes, the third re- the third thing that Helena says... Go the third on, thing that Helena says is about the millipede and says the last ring has no legs at all. So if you take if you think about that as a as a dreamer, it sounds like she's talking about the last green dreamer, which is Bran, who had no legs. Metaphorically mm, speaking, he lost okay, his legs. Okay. There's and also, there's other ways that applies yeah. that I can't say. Yeah. <laughs> it may foreshadow okay, other okay. things. So some of it requires knowing what's coming, but I think that alone, if you really focus on it, it's like, well, these are very like very prophetic, sort of patch facey kind of things to just be saying at random. Yeah, I, and she's I definitely bugs, took note like, of that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I went back and watched it, you know, I don't know, three times. And I, somewhere in my notes, I wrote down what she said. Yeah. I was trying to make sense of them. I didn't make the connection to maybe she was seeing Bran in the future. And uh, Now, she has the dragon I, dream I knew there fire. had to be more to that. She also has the dragon dream fire, which That's is... She, either, she yeah. maybe doesn't have dream fire yet. It's unclear. Maybe, probably doesn't, actually, because that was the dragon Aemon was going for. But I, we're pretty sure yeah. she's going to have Dreamfire off screen, claim her off screen anyway. So it's it's probably going to be ambiguous. We're good. We're uh, okay, I'll, I'll just get into this real quick. Uh, in the book, yes, Helena has Dreamfire on the HBO House of the Dragon Guide site. They say that Helena has Dreamfire. I have a feeling that that was them updating the what like it's just someone who updated it, and it was meant to be updated after episode seven. Yeah, is my theory true. because. Helena is not at the dragon training scene at the dragon pit. Why would she not be at dragon training if she herself has a dragon already? Especially if she has a Maybe big. She already dragon. trained her dragon. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but, but he's giving Aegon. She's better at it. But, but he, uh, like he's giving Aegon is like, oh, you need to have mastery over it, like Aegon does, as if Aegon already does have mastery over Sunfire, mm. and Aegon is older and would have had Sunfire earlier. So the fact that Aegon is at the dragon training and Helena isn't points to me to the idea that Helena's about to tr- uh, tame her dragon. That makes sense, but also maybe Aegon was there because he wanted to be part of this prank. Ah. <laughs> he, he was also like yawning. He didn't like, want to yeah, miss the prank. Here, done yeah. That. Yeah. He did seem bored point. up until that point. That is he a good point like, that maybe yeah. they don't all always go to dragon training classes or something like that. I, I It is true and a good uh, cover for that. The other thing is, however, that Aemon clearly was trying to do something with this dragon that it appears to be Dreamfire. Why would he try to tame or claim 
uh, the dragon of his sister, or He's if it was literally just fi- told like, that you can't do that, like yeah, in that you know. scene. Yeah. So, that, <laughs> so yeah. that's what points to the idea that Dreamfire isn't cl- actually f- claimed fully yeah. yet, but that it is not changed and will happen anyway. Super so tiny little- spoiler either way. So yeah, so we're, we're good on that. Um, and it's also important to note that, uh, Aegon has a few other troubling behaviors that we may have noted that it may be hard to spot. Uh, they're so quick. His his extreme anger during the training scene, even when he has the upper hand, when he's just grabbed, he just he reacts really like you can't touch me. You know, like it's very like hmm, that's a that's a little that's a red flag. And the way he looks at the serving girls and who, when they're poor passing by, he kind of t- tries to flirt with them, which is like ooh, that's troubling too. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Especially paired with not, his... Not just that he does that, but they know to, like, don't make eye contact. Yeah, they... Like, they, they know he's trouble, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so let's move on to uh, Damon and Lena's children, briefly. We've got Bela, who has Moondancer. Bela's named for Viserys and Damon's father, Balon, the one we were talking about that rode Vagar before. And it seems that from the conversations that... Bela has more in common with Damon. They, Rain is like, oh, dad kind of ignores me. It seems like, and we do get that from Fire and Blood. Not that Damon favors one of the daughters, but that they are pretty different, ultimately. Their personalities diverge a bit or a lot, <laughs> even though they, uh, so don't be fooled by how much, how similar they look. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because Bela is named for Damon's father and Raina is named uh, for Rainey's, Lena's mother. So it really, uh, the, yeah. the line was drawn at their birth, as it were. But yeah, like you see that Damon is having like Valyrian lessons with Bela, but not with Raina. And so I assume that's related to the fact that Bela has to also be training her dragon and has to, and has to be learning how to speak Valyrian to train her dragon and so that's why mm-hmm. they're spending a little more time together naturally is is because of that and it isn't maybe as meant to be personal but obviously reyna takes it as such yeah so there's a lot of mirroring in these scenes with the training of the dragons and talking about eggs and hatching and, and riding and, and lena brings up how like i want my daughters to be raised with their birthright and with their family and all that like they should be here at the dragon pit training with with the dragon keepers and with all the other kids and she tells tells Raina something that maybe Aemond could have used the advice on, which is like, hey, I didn't get Vagar till I was 15. So, you know, a lot of dragon riders don't get their dragon till later. Not everyone hatches, gets a hatchling. What's neat, though, is that Raina shares the name with the princess who started the egg in cradle tradition. Raina, older sister to the old king Jaehaerys and good queen Alysanne. So that was her. She started. She's the one who started that tradition. So that's kind of fun uh, that, that we have a, a young Raina trying to hatch an egg. And she says that very childlike, like, are they going to kick me out because I don't have a dragon? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Of course, no. Of course not. They're not going to kick the kid out. <laughs> Do you think your parents would just say, oh, yeah, we're kicking you out? No, I think they're going to keep their kid with them. But that's but it's very endearing. It's And this scene is beautiful. Look at that fireplace with the mm-hmm. egg and everything. It's, it's, it it looks makes, awesome. Yeah, it also makes me think of uh, Danny and Viserys going through, I mean, mm-hmm. it's even in Illyrio's Pentashi Mance nice. and just the idea of how unsure Danny must have felt during a lot of her childhood about whether her, the people hosting her really wanted her there or what she owed them or just... It, it's a very confusing thing for any child to be in, and that's true for Raina too here, I think. like, it, I think Lane is right that like it would they would be better served 
at home and not in Pentos. Although, yeah. I, I mean, I guess, I guess <laughs> if, if they just took the manse and just lived there, like they, they could build a nice life there, actually, I think. Like, I, I, I think if Damon, like, Lena has a really good line where she says that Damon isn't actually interested in Pentos and going out <laughs> at all. You know, like, you might think, oh, he they're. He complains about the wine. Yeah, yeah he's know? not actually yeah. enjoying himself there. Yeah, Lena seems yeah. to be right when she says, you really, you're not fooling me here. <laughs> like, you don't really, well, you say you want to be here, but. <laughs> she She's sort of right. Like, I don't know, for the first time, I'm trying to be on Damon's side. I feel like. He maybe he has some ambition in him that he has realized causes trouble, and I'll just stay out of trouble. Let me just get yeah. away from all that, and yeah. I won't cause any trouble. And he might still pine for home, you know, but at least he's not getting in trouble here. Which now, if he gets in trouble, it also involves his children and his wife. And his wife is like, I don't mind getting in trouble. I want to be a warrior. And he's like, uh, you know, I Are you sure about I, that? once again, I feel like it would have been. You know, if we had gotten an episode through Jace's eyes, I would like to see it cut back and forth within an episode, maybe through Damon's eyes as a father. Like it would be neat, a new perspective from him that I can still let my imagination go with it right now. But but even as the, the episode ends, it was hard for me to read. No big surprise. What's Damon gonna do now? Right? That's yeah, I, I never yeah, really know yeah, the yeah. answer to that question. <laughs> but the way it ended, I could imagine him because I feel like I don't know enough about what's going on with their family. I can imagine him being like, "I'm out of here," jumping on his dragon and just leaving his daughters behind. I can also imagine him staying there and trying to be a dad to his daughters. I can also imagine him scooping his daughters up and going to Dragonstone. Like, it's mm. I, I have a hard time predicting what he's gonna do, but I feel like it's less because he's unpredictable than because. I didn't get enough what, of what's going on in his what life. What do you right want now. him to do, Sean? Yeah, what do you want him to do? Stay there and raise his daughter. Okay. Stay there, just be a dad and okay. raise his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I see where you're coming from. Like, she recognizes that he doesn't want to stay there, but he's decided to. What he's done is he's decided to do that yeah. in spite of what he wants. Yeah. And he won't admit what he really yeah. wants because that would lead him towards that would him and his family towards things. yeah it would it would it would break, uh, break his willpower like he's trying to assert that he belong yeah. like yes i desire to go blood and battle and fire and blood but i also understand the consequences and should just stay here yeah so i think you're right i think you broke that down really well uh let's let's take a little mid-roll break here take a few questions from y'all get right back to it Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I want to shout out some of our extra cool patrons here while we're on it. Uh, first of all, our uh, Ironborn Captain patrons, Black Matto Stormrider, Captain of the Rusted Hinge, Lord Chuck Laws, Captain of the Droman Nightblood, Destroyer of Evil, John Gregor, Captain of the Fist of the Drowned God, Sir Kiron of Lonely Light, Scourge of the Sunset Sea, Captain of Naga's Breath, a Droman armed with siphons of wildfire, Aileen, Archer Queen, Captain of the Border Collie, Crimson Kate, Captain of the Drowned Queen's Vengeance, Jasana the Just, Collector of Tolls, Captain of the Golden Gift, Beneath the Gold, a podcast focusing on lesser-known A Song of Ice and Fire characters. Prakash the Protector, Lord of the Gallifreyans, Captain of the Tardis of the Seven Seas, Tempest of House Brewer, Captain of the Summer Storm, Catherine the Cruel, Captain of the Kraken's Claw, Lana Del Rey, 
Death Dreamer, Captain of the Cyclopean Call, Nadia Storm, Mother of Worms and Wyverns, Captain of the Stygian Darkness, and Hara Dark Charm, known as Lady Bad Luck, Captain of the Black Cat, and Prowler of the Seas. Gotta have ships like that with the uh, Stepstones becoming a problem again. People like that. Can I add in a... Gregor the Toasty of the Bread Fork. That's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shout out, Gregor, whenever possible. Yes. (laughs) It's amazing how names like Gregor and Bread Fork, because it's Dreadfort and Gregor are like two of the worst associations, but he's made them nice and friendly and and delicious (laughs) with with a little tweak. (laughs) Yeah. So I also want to shout out uh, our... Ew, where did we go here? My queens of love and beauty from the depths of flea bottom. Lord Ken of House Hammer is declared for Queen Carrie. Fire of the North, recovered dark sister from beyond the wall. And a laurel of glory in the name of love to Bud of House Beresford, a knight of Tolkien, an arbiter of Scotch from Sandy the Dragon, blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson, as well as our blood riders, Cole Coey called Sunpiercer, wielder of a dragon bone bow. Cabo the Tamer, wielder of the Wildfire Whip Gehenna, and screenwriter Catherine Van Pelt, wielder of a Valyrian Steel Quill, slayer of unoriginal screenplays. Yeah. Uh, Eddard, shout out to Eddard, the model stonemason there. I hope y'all caught that when uh, Viserys dismissed his little model helper. His name was Eddard, so got to shout out all Eddards, right? <laughs> a couple of fun mentions were thrown out at us. The Century of Blood. Aegon the Conqueror, Aegon's attacking the Lysine fleet, which we discussed in some episodes uh, of Valar Aretas world building stuff. Another rat appeared on Viserys' mantle. It's like, geez, they're just doing the rats all over the place. It's just constant rats every episode. <laughs> I don't think I have anything new to add to my rat analysis. I don't know if, if you all I do wanna, jump in. I don't have anything to add about the rats, but I want to shout out that in our Saturday episode, we um, theorized with Kavita the idea that maybe Viserys has Emma's ring and is wearing it. And as you see here, we got the, I mean, we got that that really moving moment where he is just sad and look cold with the ring, as you see on the yeah. Yeah. So um that's pretty cool. That was a great I wondered prediction. if that had to do yeah. I wonder if the, if that had to do with uh Helena's comment about the last ring has no legs oh, and then it showed him interesting. when that ring on yeah, I can't figure out what it meant. Okay, so, yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah. But, so you were you were thinking it prophetically too, even when <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. as well and by the way, she's not explicitly a dreamer in Fireblood. Let me make that clear. We this was a total surprise to us. So we this is all new. So um She's not explicitly a dreamer in Fire and Blood, but she is bonded to Dream Fire. So yeah. that's the and she does have a I I her daughter Jahara is kind of coded as being very neurodivergent and off and strange and so the idea that, that Jahara that, that Helena's eventual I, I will sorry that uh, the idea that Helena eventually has a daughter who is a little off too it's not completely uh not rooted in uh to the text you know like like they they there's no personality for Helena but when you look at what we have that's not such a great jumping, like not such a yeah. huge jumping off point. I wouldn't think all the people who were dreamers would have made it into the history books as such yeah. anyway. I don't think the maesters would have caught all that. You know, like a lot of that would be, would have been kept under wraps or just never been clarified or understood or realized. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Or realized. Yeah, yeah. or realized. By the way, I, uh, two things. One, we can go round and round on the rat problem. <laughs> <laughs> two, uh, thinking about Damon, that was another thought that I had that I don't expect that this is what they're doing, but I couldn't help but think about it a little bit. It's pointed out that he's not sleeping and he is drinking. Mm. And it reminds me of Darren from Interesting. Uh, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. I wonder if Damon is having some sort of dragon dreams 
that are disturbing him he, that might also be why he wants to stay away. That's a great point because he specifically talks about a few hours of oblivion this is what mm-hmm. the strong yeah. Westerosi strongman yeah. does for him, which does imply that he wants to just not feel anything. And maybe it's because of what's in his mind because it doesn't seem to have He's any physical vision pain that's of people him. dying or whatever. Interesting yeah. call, Sean. I like that. It was a good catch. Hmm. Well, yeah. was, while we were still back on Helena for a moment, I did not bring up how um, symbolic the conversation between Helena and Allison was for their relationship as well. What do you mean? That Helena says, talking about this millipede and how the millipede has no eyes and uh, why can't they see? And well, some things are beyond the human uh, understanding, whatever. Yeah. Well, there's two things there. One, Allison just doesn't understand her daughter. Okay. Like, so Allison herself, as she's like listening to Helena say that, Allison is like, oh, I, I, yeah, I, some things are just beyond us. Like, you, you just will never understand my daughter. You know, like, that's, I think, a very relatable thing for a lot of like parent child relationships that like gap that to bridge that gap is just seems impossible. Um, like they are just this uh, mysterious creature to you. But also there's in this theme of the episode of people being blind to seeing things in front of them. And how, how, like, how can they be so blind? How can Viserys be so blind to his children? How can Allison be blind to her children? I just that, don't understand. <laughs> I, I took that as her not understanding her husband. Cause I, if I remember right, she's Helena says it has eyes, but can't see. Yeah, I, I took that to be Viserys. Yes. Like he, nice. Why yeah. doesn't he see? Yeah, Dora, exactly. he, and it Allison can't understand it. And it, the answer is that he does see it, but he doesn't want war. And she's the one that doesn't see the potential of war coming from this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, question from illegal xenomorph says, or not a question, but a comment. They kind of swapped out. Rhaenyra and Lena's relationship. They had maybe a, a bisexual relationship implied in the books for Damon and this waiter guy. <laughs> it's like as Damon kind of grabs the waiter yeah, a little bit. And it kind of here, looks like, I uh, like, like you see, he like grabs his arm. Like I, this like, guy's licking his lips a bit. I, you know? I, I don't know. Like there, it does it look a, like Dave Grohl? It really looks yeah. like Dave Grohl. Like I, I I'm. Sh- <laughs> I'm sure there's not much there, but I noticed it and a bunch, a thousand other people noticed it too. Cause I tweeted and they were like, yes, bisexual Damon, mm-hmm. bisexual Bob. No, I don't know. Um, but I also think they just did that with Rainier and Allison as well. They gave, yeah. they put those sapphic vibes that you discussed before. So I think they, they did give Rainier and, that aspect. They didn't give it to Lane. And, and I, and I want to say, I know a lot of people are sad that we haven't gotten Rainier and Lena's relationship, their friendship or yeah. more than friendship. There is room. For us to headcanon that as having happened. Damon and Lena, we, we don't know how long they've been of overseas in Essos. If these daughters are eight, then like Rainier was married to Lenor for two years before Damon and Lena had a child even. And le- like there is a plenty of room for there to be multiple years of close friendship. Yeah, we didn't see it on screen. And that matters to a lot of people. But for me, it also matters whether I can know whether it happened off screen. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, to you? It, do- you know, it does. Like- because also like we have Damon with seems to know about Rainier's children. He jokes, is like, uh, yeah, the entirely coincidental represe- uh, resemblance to the commander of the City Watch. Like, he knows th- what the kids look like, even. So, like, either, he's definitely informed if he hasn't been there. You know, like, that's very specific. So Yeah, I, I yeah, think, I imagine... I think you're right, there's room for that. Yeah, my and, headcanon is that 
Damon was there for the first birth, the first baby. Like they hadn't left at that point. Yeah, that they sense. were still there. They got married. Like they didn't just get married overseas. Maybe they were just on Driftmark or something. But which yeah. is which means they could easily come back and forth on their dragons yeah. and all that. It's something that didn't occur to me till just now. But Damon might also be more welcome with the rest of his family while he's a stable husband and father. Absolutely. Right? In and fact, that's another reason maybe not to disrupt the the way things that are specifically now specifically happens in fire and blood yeah. sean you're right actually that's a great call because specifically Viserys says oh he'll have changed now he's a father <laughs> that's a specific line right. in there so <laughs> you're right. that was great uh stannis baratheon says do you think that the lord caswell cameo is foreshadowing that he's for the blacks oh yeah oh yeah definitely he says if there's anything they can do for you yeah like uh, that's that a guy who's saying come. i'm your friend yeah, yeah. yeah that totally. is alan caswell we did get a first name from the hbo uh guide site yeah. Oh, yeah. Alan, that's right. And he's not given a first name in Fire and Blood. So this is a little, a little yes. bonus name right. there. Thank, a good good call there, Stannis. Uh, Callista Cross says, Emma and Olivia better be nominated for Emmys. Both were fantastic. Well, if I had a vote, they'd have my vote. So I, I don't have a vote, though. But I, I pretty much You agree. can't count any Emmys for anything. Yeah, yeah, better yeah, call yeah, Sullivan yeah. Like a single Emmy. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Emmys are meh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vagarian says, no, Cyrax is disappointing. We haven't seen nearly enough of her as of yet. Yeah, I mean... The reality of the show, even though it has a big budget, is that they cannot lightly include those dragons. Like, even no. a few, even like 30 seconds of dragon is a lot. Yeah, I wanted. Do. It's sad but true. I wanted so badly just to see Rhaenyra and Lena riding their dragons together. It would have solved people who wanted to see more of Cyrax. It would have solved people who wanted to see a little more of Lena. People who wanted more of Rhaenyra and Lena. Like, if we had just seen, dur- I think, if we had seen. The time during the 10 year gap that's what we could have seen yeah mm-hmm. brandolin prince or price says do you think next season the time jumps will slow down yes there shouldn't be any more yeah. time jumps at all next season it's, it's, if you've watched the witcher it's a lot like that where they had a lot of time jumps in season one and then they just stopped doing time jumps altogether that's what we're getting here as well yeah so we uh, will have one more major time jump this season and then that should literally be the end of it yeah, for time jumps the for time jumps from there. the dance of the dragons era but again if this show house of the dragon might after three four seasons of dance of the dragons they might go and do Aegon's Conquest or a different era in Targaryen history. That's what they've brought up. The yes. idea that they can do it under this framework. So we might get even larger time jumps eventually seasons from now, but yeah. not in the next couple seasons. <laughs> so let's see. All right. Let's talk about it. briefly the training yard. Yeah. So Viserys uh, is hopefully optimistic here hopelessly optimistic here he's like he says this is the stuff like the kids getting along you know they'll grow up together and be friends and it's like oh boy that is careful what you, you know, wish for brother and it's funny because <laughs> last week on saturday we were talking about like oh uh, how are they going to cultivate a friendship right between these boys and it seems like they're just dropping the ball and it's like well no Viserys is trying like yeah. he isn't unaware of that he isn't completely not cognizant of the fact that like they need to forge bonds between these children yeah. he's not doing a great job but he's trying and Allison is completely undermining him Allison yeah. is specifically telling them not to be she's like don't be friends with them <laughs> that's basically what she said in that scene yeah, with, you her, know- with her son she's like don't you think they're gonna be your, your friends when they ascend the throne and you're a threat to them to, yeah to be fair she used the word plaything so oh, yeah. it's okay. it's yeah. a little bit different to, you know maybe she's warning him to be careful their relationship 
Not necessarily to not be friends, though. Maybe to not be friends, but maybe to be well, friendly. More worried about like. Well, yeah. she says yeah. specifically <laughs> to him that out in the world, you and Eamon need to, you know, be of, of, be together, you know, which implies out in the world, like, is is with the Valarian boys. They are not family to you. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. that they would yeah. be under the umbrella of it's fine if you pick on your brother with family. Like, so she is very clearly delineating to him. No, they're not real family. You can't behave with Amond like with them like you would if you were just alone with your family. Yeah. Uh, I I got like three things I want to say real quick. Uh, two of them are flashback things. I forgot to pay attention to it this episode, but last episode, I noticed that Allison's fingers were still raw. Mm-hmm. Forgot to look for it in this episode, so oh, everyone, I don't, I don't, know, did notice I think we got a few, yeah. maybe semi close ups uh, of her hands. It's a good call. I don't know. Two, I wanted to point out back in the dragon pit. Uh, I appreciate that 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 handler, the guy that seemed to be sort of in charge, yeah, there, was scarred yes, and maybe and burned. burned yeah. Like he's, and they only yeah, speak High Valyrian. That's so neat. Yeah. Yeah, but that's like a serious job, and that guy maybe commands some respect. You know, he he knows the dangers that he's trying to teach them about. Yeah, that guy was older. Yeah, he seems like he had been around. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, more closer to what we're talking about here. Uh, when Viserys is making the observation about the boys in a training yard, I appreciate that and wonder about Lionel's comment. It was very tactful when he's like, "That is the hope." Yeah, that is know? the hope. Yeah, but I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how much of it was him aware that there was this conflict between these boys or potentially was and was trying to be tactful to the king or if he knew there was conflict among his own sons i wonder if mm. there is some falling out between lars and harwin they seem to be getting along okay in the past in the wedding scene they, but they uh, don't have any one-on-one I, I wonder, scenes, so yeah it's hard to yeah, i don't think yeah. they I, I kind of imagine they don't get along great because it doesn't seem like they have similar personalities because like he talks about how his father is just like so ridiculously honorable with his like his millstone around his neck whereas laris is like yeah. completely free of the constraints of Although, <laughs> of empathy and, and honor so yeah i thought it was really like interesting i thought it was really interesting that the hbo site says that Harwin is fiercely protective of his younger brother, so it makes it seem like that's a one-sided yeah, thing. Yeah, it might be. It might be that uh, Harwin, that Larry st- didn't appreciate that, maybe. Maybe yeah. he thought it has made him look weak or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say. The guy's just pretty amoral, so it's hard to understand <laughs> where that comes from. <laughs> her uh, fingers oh, look yeah, okay. Yeah. His finger, her fingers look kind of normal there, I guess. Fine. Not a great shot of it, but yeah. I finally I was on finger watch. If you saw me <laughs> opening a bunch watch. of pictures of Allison, <laughs> I was like, oh, you can't see your hands there either. But they look fine. It's amazing how this training yard scene, I think, is going to come back to be like... It's already the catalyst for almost everything else that happens in the episode as far as the, the fracturing of the family. It leads to them going to Dragonstone. Rhaenyra is disabused of her notion that people, the level of denial people are in, that they're how much they're participating in this charade. And she starts to fear for her children's lives, not unlike how Allison fears for her children's lives. For different reasons, but for similar consequences and under the same auspices. So... And while, meanwhile, Kristen Cole does this because, as I said, he thinks that's what Alison wants. He thinks it's serving truth and justice and honor, even though it's probably going to lead to much worse outcomes. He goads Harwin into what we would call an unwise assault. <laughs> very premeditated on Kristen Cole's part and very should have been should have held back obviously harwin should have been should have held back he shouldn't have done that he should have known better lionel tells him like how 
bad it was. Harmon doesn't seem to. He's either being willfully stubborn about it. Maybe he's in his own form of denial. There's a lot of that in this episode, I mean, obviously. And Lionel's like, dude, people have eyes. <laughs> like, you cannot really think that it's not obvious. You have to be more circumspect in this. In fact, it's too late. You have really crossed a line here, and it's incredible that you don't see it. Although I, I also thought Harwin had a great line in that conversation that I wanted to highlight earlier, which was when Harwin says, well, you have your honor and I have mine, yes. which really comes down to the, the difference between Rhaenyra and Alicent to that me too, yeah. and how Rhaenyra doesn't really hasn't really thought that she was being dishonorable here. And a, a lot of what people are doing, they think is the in fact, the honorable way to play their hand. But it is, in fact, not honorable or at least is, <laughs> is if it's not dishonorable, it's not honorable. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and beyond honor. It's dangerous for the realm. It's dangerous for the people that they're ostensibly responsible for. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think that's something that they're overlooking a lot. I thought it was an interesting parallel the the Harwin and Criston versus Criston and Joffrey. Yeah. Right. The the idea that Joffrey said something that triggered Criston, whether it was justified or not, he got on top, started to punch him in the face. So now Criston says something that triggers Harwin, and whether it should or not, he jumped on top, started to punch his face, yep. and. Kristan seemed to not be defending himself because I think he wanted this scene to happen. He did, yeah. But and so it might have changed in a different scenario. But if someone didn't pull Harwin off, he would have killed him the same way. You smash someone Enough, on the yeah, ground, right, prone yeah. in a face, you will kill them. And uh, I, I think that Harwin is as guilty as Kristan was. Whatever bad thoughts people had about Kristan when he did that to Joffrey, I feel like you should have similar thoughts about Harwin doing that to Kristan now it's unlikely the their motivations are are similar but i agree that it, it was the, res, the need the, the need for restraint was very similar i might be giving Kristan too much credit but i i feel like he he at least believed joffrey was making a tacit threat and that's what at least part of what triggered him whereas Kristan is making a tacit threat to to Harwin, and he responds to it. Well, right? this is like a much bigger. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's a similar threat. You're well, trying I mean, to expose uh, a relationship that yeah. would be high treason. Expose a secret, something yeah. that could get people killed, okay. something that would make that, yeah. ruin honor and and interactions and the the, the yeah the, you know the respect of the throne, et cetera, et cetera. It's all yeah. That that that, that's, that is true. That yeah, is true. Fair. Christian did say something that. A lot of people would be like, well, you have to respond. He, he besmirched your honor by, <laughs> by saying that. So the natural response yeah. is to like deny that. But uh, I think most other people would say, well, that just makes it seem like he was right. <laughs> now, Exactly. Which is what Kristan was counting on. We have a whole other side topic that was too big to include, considering we have so much else to talk about. But in a couple of days... From the, this recording, I wrote a video for In Deep Geek on how Kristen Cole escaped punishment and laying all that out and why there's no consequences for his actions. So rather than discuss that now, check that video out later. It should be a, it should be a little conciser than um, what we could manage right now, given how many other things we have to cover. All right. Uh, Viserys giving some Doran Martell vibes there, watching the kids at play while in ill health and uh, hoping for a better future, while also mentioning Corin Martell. <laughs> earlier yeah. in the episode now if you don't trust a martell you won't be disappointed or something like that <laughs> yeah that was funny that was i was uh very excited to hear a martell reference because maybe we'll get some martells eventually yeah so we got a brief you know oh, go ahead sean it just reminds me of another parallel i i picked up on rhaenyra and cersei are sort of uh 
you know, Cersei maybe was a little safer in her assumption that no one knew about her and Jamie, but naive to think no one's ever going to find out about it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they, they're continuing it and they're, they're not as, yeah. as hidden about it. And yeah, uh, but the the look was a lot more believable. Like they all looked like Lannisters. These kids don't look yeah. like either of their parents. So yeah. it's a lot it's a lot more obvious from yeah. a visibility standpoint. Especially when we now have three sets of Valerian Targaryen couples with kids. Yes, three sets. And two You're of right. those threes had the kids are looking appropriately, and one of them like they don't even have blonde or brown hair. Like even a all shred. three of the kids, like yeah, <laughs> the seed is strong. The seed is Viserys strong. is trying to like. <laughs> oh, well, I had this one black horse and his white horse. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> eh. I liked Allison's response. Like, how did you know? Did you see the horses do it? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Viserys just, just he's like, ah. off. he's like, he's ah. like, all right, listen to me. I know what you're saying. This is what like, Sean you were talking about earlier. He's when he when yeah, you finally like presses him, he's like, give you, "Yeah, I'm trying to give you plausible deniability. You please just, just get it." it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm not actually as dumb as you think I am. Yeah, yeah, that, that is. I, I I do think that we all agree that yeah, Viserys knows. He just knows that this would be disastrous if it comes out. Yeah, it's so too he, late to do anything it, yeah, about it's it. Too yeah. late. Like, what yeah. is her solution here? Because again, we bring up the idea like, oh, disinherit them. That is not an actual solution that works long term yeah it's, it's laurie says it really well he he levels with her he's like what do you think the king is just gonna expose his own ch- his own grandchildren like of course he's not gonna do that like you gotta think this through from his perspective and i think is a consistent theme here allison doesn't think things through yeah. from other people's perspective she's maybe not good at putting herself in other people's shoes she's very good at allison's following not the only one guilty and, of that yeah at least she used to be good at that too like she she was pretty good at yeah. fi- building bridges between the the family early on when they were fractured but this older allison is has other and, priorities you know, maybe <laughs> now maybe want to give renera credit for shifting now she was bad at that now she's good at it that's true however she made it tougher than ever she's the one that <laughs> she's the political headache <laughs> yeah yeah if she had d- been a little more circumspect with her children <laughs> Although, you, know, you have to wonder that if, if at once Rhaenyra had one dark-haired firstborn son if she was you know whether she thought it consciously or not if she then does her duty and has a silver-haired kid with Lenor, well then that leaves her firstborn open to to infighting potentially i don't know that he she would thought try to overthrow of it that consciously but mm. She might be like, well, I'm in for, you know, a little bit, so I might as well go all the way. It doesn't matter if I have multiple dark, if I, if I do this multiple times. And also, realistically speaking, she might have been gambling, like, maybe one of my kids with Harwin will have silver hair and it won't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And or, she didn't or if they're girls, it yeah. doesn't really, people yeah, won't care as much either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, which is, uh, I mean, if it's if the second one or third one is, they would care if the first one is, they would really freak out if it was a, a brown-haired girl, first of all, because Viserys said, the first one is going to inherit, <laughs> no matter yeah. what. Oh, that's true. So, yeah. they're like, anti-women ruler people are going to be like, that's a woman that's going to inherit and then pass on to another woman? They're really yeah, not going to like that. Too far. Yeah. <laughs> and the wrong color hair. Yeah, and the wrong color hair. <laughs> so, I'd be so curious to see uh, how Rhaenyra and Helena 
get along, how they've interacted as well. Yeah, a couple nice of things have. because specifically, if you remember in episode one, Rhaenyra says she wanted a sister, not a brother, and she oh, would have yeah. named her Visenya. And so <laughs> Rhaenyra has wanted a sister, and I imagine Rhaenyra wants a daughter too. And so, yeah. so like, yeah, she's great three boys. She any any, right. yeah, any normal wanted. person would be like, oh, Rhaenyra's done what a great she's done her duty. She's had three boys. What a what a great womb she has. <laughs> but probably <laughs> Probably Rhaenyra is thinking, wish one of these was a girl. <laughs> yep. Uh, so let's talk a little more about the curse and the fire. First of all, secret passages are implied to have been used in Harrenhal. We don't see it, but I'm guessing that he instructed them to some... He had to give them some knowledge of the castle, which he's from. He was born there and grew up there, so he would know. He would, Laris, you'd think, would be able to do that pretty easily. Yeah, but we, Rainier, we actually see Rhaenyra using secret passageways. Uh, and she comes upon Lionel chastising yeah. Harwin, which is what Oops. drives the point home for her that that things are the level of denial is not what she thought it was, which leads to Lionel trying to resign, but he can't admit to fully why. So Viserys really kind of calls his bluff. He's like, "Well, why?" And we talked about this earlier, and it's 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 almost comedic. He's like, "I can't come out and say that these kids, these grandkids of mine, or or that these kids are my grandkids because." awful things will happen to them and my sons. It's the same thing that Larius points out. He can't just come out and admit it because it's dire consequences for, for his own family. Like, he has to go along with it. So, it's just, it's almost comedic. It's yeah. Interesting parallel to him and Otto, by the way. Otto angling to get his kids into the royal bloodline. Uh, Lionel trying to deny that his kids are in the royal bloodline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really feel for Lionel here because he's just trying to not get caught in the storm, as it were. Like, there's this theme this episode of, you know, Rhaenyra saying that, you know, the wise sailor flees the gathering storm. And that's what Lionel's trying to do. Lionel <laughs> is very yeah. much trying to do that, and Viserys won't let him do it, and, but he still gets away for a little while, and that's his demise, ultimately. Yeah. It's really interesting how this is, has shades of Otto's being compromised for a very similar reason, but it's Otto isn't the one who offers his resignation. He doesn't recognize his own comp level of being compromised. He's like, I, I'll just keep going, you know? <laughs> but Lionel's like, look, I can't serve you the way I did before. I'm compromised. And yeah, so it's a, a flip, a bit of a mirror image of that situation. But Lionel just has to concede. He's like, well, I can't admit the real whole truth so i guess i'll just have to keep the job yeah. but he's like well let me take my son home at least let me get rid of this powder keg which maybe yeah. is the wrong yeah. or the perfect metaphor given he i feel to like death. lionel there he really was thinking i need to resign so that i don't lose my head over this yeah and, like, and his son too he's worried about that. he's yeah. thinking about that only to send himself to Heron Hall, where he's open to be murdered more easily. Careful what you wish for, yet again. Yeah, <laughs> yep, like, well, let me at least let me have this. At least let me go die is really kind of what that amounted to. You know, through no fault of his own, obviously. He couldn't have possibly seen that coming. <laughs> I want to give Lionel maybe a little more credit. That I mean, not that he isn't maybe worried about being killed or his son, but I think he's worried about the realm. I think he's legitimately trying to remove this element that is might light the powder keg does yeah. that make sense like his son's presence is pushing this issue mm. it's it's you know putting it in everyone's face constantly 
And he wants to put an end to that. And uh, I, I think for the good of the realm. And I think this is where you get some Ned vibes. And, and that we have a question here from JDS Third sends a super chat, says, We love Ned for his honor, not wanting bastards on the throne, but now we hate Allison for the same thing. Rhaenyra did not fulfill the wish of her father. Unite the Valyrian Targaryen lines. Team Green all the way. Okay, well, a couple comments on that first, and then we'll des- describe how it applies here. Team Green all the way. Well, the problem is Team Green is going to, they're going to, con- and, commit the same sin of not just letting things lie and doing the thing that causes the least conflict. Yes, I can kind of agree that if Ned had just allowed the Lannisters to get away with it, it would have saved a lot of lives. And Maybe that's better. Maybe peace is worth that dishonor. Ned is inflexible in his honor, to be fair. Like, as much as we like the guy, that's a fair estimation of him. And I think Lionel is expressing the same thing here. He's like, what you need right now is someone that's willing to lie to keep to make things work because you need lies. This is all, we're all living on a lie here and we need someone who can manage that well. Someone who's comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not a liar. So that's, it's a little bit of inflection. The same thing that made him a good advisor makes him not good for this situation. Same with Ned. He's not good at, uh, Ned wasn't good at managing the, dis, the natural, inherent, constant dishonesty of court, right? That's it's not something he worked well with. Oil and water, right? He just couldn't do it. Couldn't make himself that dishonest. Couldn't stoop to that level is one way you could phrase it. Uh, but I don't think the Greens really have that <laughs> either. I don't, I don't know that the Blacks will in the long term either. So, <laughs> Sean, go ahead. I I wanted to say something about the idea of Greens versus Blacks, which I, I again, remind everyone I'm kind of unsullied. I have some superficial awareness. Like I knew there was this Green versus Black conflict, but I didn't know what it meant or what the sides were. It's becoming more clear. But something I realized, even last week, I, I think I was kind of like, siding with the greens i I felt like shay kind of asked me directly what do you think about harwin what do you think about kristan i was kind of lining up with the greens but i should have realized this more quickly everyone on the greens or the blacks don't have the same agenda and the same morality they're not a monolith like even within them there's going to be people who disagree or have more sinister motives or uh, are more less cruel or fair-minded or whatever it is so i you know I, I feel myself not so certain about being lined up with the Greens now, but I realize it's really that I Harwin has become more clearly sinister. I still Harwin, tend you mean, to you mean line Li- up Laris. Laris, sorry, yeah, I might have like, spoken yeah. a second ago when I said Harwin, but uh, yeah, you asked me about Laris last week, yeah. and mm-hmm. I thought he was, uh, but um, but I still tend to find myself lining up with Allison. I I don't necessarily agree with everything she's doing, but I don't think she's being evil. I think she's like making errors of judgment, but not being an evil person. Does that make sense? Where Arwen, I think, is being an evil Laris. person. <laughs> Laris. How many times am I going to mix that up? Uh, the, uh, also, I wanted to point out that, you know, you know what an awful villain Laris seems to be turning on his own family and burning people alive. I hope no one else does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've never seen any other murders of family members in this in this timeline. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a bit of a Garden of Eden vibe here going on where she invited him in, invited his trust, mm. he, even with the garden, literally a garden, those the yes, hibiscus flowers, yeah. and then she doesn't realize what he is. She doesn't realize how bad he is, how evil he is. And now that he's in... She may not be able to let go because she's desperate for allies and is desperate for anything that will help. She's like, I have no allies in King's Landing. Won't anyone help me? You know? And so she's, now she's got this powerful person on her side and is probably scared of him not being on her side now. She's like, well, what if, if I, if he's not on my team, then he's against me. And I really don't want that. 
So now she's kind of like, damned if she does, damned if she does. She just ha- kind of has to make use of him, and it's scary. She might also be subject to blackmail. I think yeah, that was a tacit threat that he oh, was yeah. making. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When he was like, oh, we, you know, with the, I just did what the queen asked me for. Like she, when she kind of realized he killed his own family, she was on, on the cusp of threatening to, to, to expose him for that. Yes. And his response is like, you told me to do it. And Go ahead, make a public announcement. And she gave him the intel. Remember, he's like, when he, when they start having dinner, he's like, I find myself in the river. Usually I'm the one telling you secrets, but you're the one with the extra information. So she, spills the beans on what happened that led her his father's going to go home so she yeah. gave him and that which, info that he then used and, and, to right, murder and he them. Could, right and he, that could be part of his i don't know potential blackmail like yeah he could tell people that information how else would i know that allison told me mm-hmm. you know what all she told me to kill if, if and he's so she me, and she's so know? skilled with lies she's probably terrified of just how he would she's like she knows he's so competent at yeah. this it's like oh i don't want to yeah. i cannot see this i cannot have this man as my enemy like that's scary yeah. as hell she's kind of realizing who she's gotten in bed with now and it's kind of a scary thing to realize and it's part of why i wanted to pick olivia cook when we were talking about yeah she's really good because she had yeah. some great moments yeah that whole episode her realizing what she's got yeah her like visible discomfort and her shaking is like wow yeah that that was great acting she because it's because you're right it, it pushes back on her her being a bad person severely like she definitely didn't want this there's no doubt she didn't want this there's no one else around for her to be acting for it's a pure reaction and you know and it's funny because i i do still see people blaming allison for harwin and lionel dying and i see it in the chat right now even now and i I really disagree. I don't think Allison asked for this or wanted this or would ever in any Not any world would she have signed off on this if Laurie's had asked her to do this. It's very much. I think she was. Go ahead. I think she was genuine when she told Kristen yeah. that she wants to believe. She has to believe. She said. The decency and honor will prevail. It's her and decency and honor. Though. Family her is not decency and honor. Yeah. Like yeah. to be clear, but, right? But her I, version yeah. on it would not include. <laughs> yeah, her version doesn't family. include murdering. Yeah, kinslaying especially. Yeah. Like that's a particularly. Yeah, it's dark even worse. Sin. You're right. It's even worse. Um, and, and, like that's why we know she didn't ask for it. Like otherwise, we're to believe that Allison was asking Lars to kill his own family. Like is that she wasn't asking that? <laughs> she wasn't hinting. Like, could you maybe kill your own family for me? Like, no, <laughs> she wasn't saying that. That's kind of silly if, yeah. when you put it that he's way. He's doing way because he now stands to gain Heron Hall. Yeah, right? he is like, the Lord Heron Hall now. in a great position yeah. of power. Yes, yeah. he got his. He's asking her for a reward, but he already got a pretty substantial one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, some Littlefinger vibes. Oh, right? yes. And, uh, By, and speaking uh, of, yeah, well, let's come back to that in extra second. Uh, another comment from JDS yeah. third here says the king wanted his legacy to join houses Targaryen and Valyrian, not Targaryen and Strong. I love George R. R. Martin. Great story. Well, I totally agree with I love George R. R. Martin. Great story. Yeah. And you're right. The king did want that. But the king also has seems to have accepted what's happening. He's like, yeah, it's maybe not what I wanted, but this is fine. Better than war. (laughs) Really, what he wanted was for Corlys to be placated. That too. Yeah. More, most importantly, yeah, and if, if Corlys is placated, well, then the, the job, the, the mission is complete. Really, he wants the second age of dragons, and, and these kids have dragons, yeah, so yeah, like that's that, still happening. Yeah, and and he said perception matters, not truth, and mm-hmm. that's that's just as true in this whole scenario. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, Allison, if we all just pretend like these are the right kids, then they're the right kids. Like that, yeah. the truth of this doesn't matter. It's only a few of us that know, and exposing that is way worse for the realm than just playing the game you know like it you know it, if your goal is for everyone to know the truth about everything i mean i guess but if your goal is for people to not die in war i i think i think one is more valuable than the other yeah yeah, yeah. yes that's a great point sean like it 
and it comes down again, again, down to like what your honor is versus my honor and all that. And I think the most important honor is, yeah, avoiding bloodshed in the realm, even if that means you have to swallow your pride and pretend that these boys are legitimate. Yeah, there isn't some universal code of and, honor. There's, yeah, it's it's a personal And thing, it right? might even be different if when war broke out, Alicent and, and uh, Viserys and Daemon and all these wealthy people living in castles fought each other to the death. But is that going to happen? Or are average people in their homes who have no knowledge of this are they? They're the ones that are going to suffer, and yeah. I, I don't know what kind of honor is okay with that. Yeah, well maybe said. there is yeah. one, but it's not mine. Well, point. Well, point indeed. A little more on Laris here. Of course, we we hinted at Laris Varis last time. It seems even clearer now with cutting people's tongues out and stuff. That that's little birds versus big bugs. These are fireflies. That's uh, what he has on his cane there. If you may have uh, may not have noticed that little firefly. Yeah, there's a picture of it here. This is how we know is that on the HBO Guide site, they have a little featurette where they talked, where they, where they wrote about his golden firefly and his staff and his cane. And you also see that symbol on um, the operatives. On, on the operatives, on the cloaks of the operatives. His little exactly, bugs or his big I'm bugs. Yeah. Pulling up here. <laughs> so. He all, he cleverly says, yeah, like people are so superstitious, they'll just blame it on the curse. It'll be really easy for him to get away with it. And he's probably right about that. Uh, fireflies, symbolically, they're symbols of the night. They're creatures of the night because uh, they illuminate it, right? They they You can't really see their light very well during daylight. They're also symbols of romance. Thought, well, go ahead. I thought that maybe he was butting up to the high towers. They light the way. And fireflies' lights are green. Yeah. That is the, the general tint there uh fireflies are symbols of creation through destruction which we certainly get that uh sort of <laughs> there's certainly destruction we'll see about the creation part and and, and they're symbols of romance i don't know we're we bringing up little finger and is Lars like does he into allison does anyone get that vibe with the I, flowers and well, the, like i don't know like he doesn't have a, a i personally do get that vibe and i can say that i know that there are people out there who are shipping larison for <laughs> uh how messed up it all is um yikes yeah. i mean like the way like when he when he like picks up a flower and like caresses it and like looks at her like I, and says he expects she'll return the favor. Yeah, they're yeah. metaphorically in and bed, in the, if not, but not. And really. in the behind-the-scenes bit, they said that she was his muse, also. So mm. yeah. So oh like, wait, I no, they said that about Crystal. Oh, oh about okay. Crystal. Never mind. But like, I don't know. I get the vibe that yeah, he has. A, he is into her. I don't get the vibe that she would ever willingly sleep with him Same, or anyone yeah. or a cheat. Period. It's it's a one way street. I think. Yeah. yeah, I don't think she's reciprocating. But Vesaurus is expected to die. You know, like that's, Harwin. She'll take that's a, a good point. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. That like if Viserys dies, Alicent remarrying. That is just that. That is generally expected of um, a widow or a widower to get remarried. So interesting yeah. point, Sean. Yeah. And the Lord of Heron Hall, he's no joke. Yeah, you you are right that he is he I, is uh prestigious enough that it wouldn't be uh 
it wouldn't be weird for her to marry the Lord of Harrenhal. And that's where the Littlefinger vibes get huge because Littlefinger had to become Lord of Harrenhal before he asked for Sansa and which he didn't get, but he needed to be that. And he wanted to be Lord of the Riverlands to be over Catelyn as well. And Allison happens to have red hair. So there's a lot, there's a lot of these same vibes here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh shout out to poor Quentin Emmett Booth uh, from Not A Cast. He mentioned that there's a lot of Kyburn hear from him as well the way he just sidles up to the queen and makes himself very useful by doing some very dark things now Cersei is more approving of dark things of course she's already more predisposed to accept cruelty and brutality she's like yeah that's fine no big deal uh but still it's a similar way it's a sim- he he became valuable in a similar way by just showing up and doing things that were useful and becoming invaluable and all of a sudden Cersei's like well I really kind of need you now <laughs> like I, I would find it difficult to get around without you and also just the cruelty and amorality of these characters and the prisoners being used for things and all this stuff. Uh, Dro the Gooner says, Larry's got his lordship and Targaryen princess, Helena. Oh, Helena. They both have bugs in common. He likes fireflies. Right. She collects bugs. Yeah, I we got two bug definitely, people. When we were trying to identify what the bug was in Larry's staff, many people were like, call in Helena. We need an entomologist. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so I think this is the ultimate careful what you wish for example the what happens between Laris and Alicent and, and I don't did what the queen wished for it's like it's like careful what you wish for because there might be some evil genie about listening and granting that <laughs> wish right <laughs> it's also very similar to Henry II of England who was the son of Empress Matilda from anarchy fame the, the very war that the Dance of the Dragons is based on he kind of emerged from the chaos of the war to become king shortly after it was settled. And he had his friend, Thomas Beckett. They were good pals. They worked together. Thomas had a lot to do with helping King Henry establish himself. And eventually he rewarded Thomas by making him Archbishop of Canterbury. But Thomas Beckett went all zealous on him and was not a, like a political ally. He was no longer like, it, it, rather than being someone in a position of power that could continue to help the king from this lofty religious uh, position, he started working against him because he's like, no, I'm following the rules of the church and I'm doing, you know, and that means going against you because these rules conflict. And eventually he said that he's like, well, someone rid me of this turbulent priest. And he just said it idly. But four of his knights just went out and did it. They killed him like the archbishop. Like, that's obviously a huge deal. But those guys got excommunicated. <laughs> and uh, yes, it wasn't it wasn't sneaky like Whoa. Loris. Yeah, they had to go to the Holy Land on crusade <laughs> for 14 years to make up for it. So they had to go kill more people <laughs> to make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway, so I think that's... Good job, turn any other cheek. I think this is a strong parallel, <laughs> if not a direct inspiration, especially because it's it comes out of the anarchy itself, which was obviously the inspiration for all this. So, yeah. Uh, another parallel, I suppose, we talked about Doran Martell earlier as a parallel to Viserys, but we also have Doran, uh, or rather Oberyn's parallel that he's he's lays out, which is that he's the snake and Doran is the grass that allows him to be hidden. Or wait, was that was that uh no Doran himself said that he's like yeah Doran's oh, my brother's the snake but I'm the grass that hides him before he strikes yeah it was Doran who said that and that is kind of a similar relationship that Viserys and Damon could have had under different circumstances they have those qualities they aren't necessarily used that way so in this case it's the snake in the grass or the firefly in the hibiscus <laughs> 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 and yeah so that's that any any other thoughts on Alicent and and Laris before we move on. 
Mm. Not that I can think cool. of. Right I just now. want to say again to people: yes, it is confirmed that it is a firefly, not a bee. Yeah, we 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 went all this bee talk last night on Twitter. Bee fits so well, yeah, like but, pollinating yeah, and a, queen bee framing the beesberries. Yeah, yeah that, that would have been cool. Good, I thought that's what was happening. There's a lot of good yeah. theories there, but absolutely, the website just straight up confirms golden firefly. So yeah. at the end so of that, we be wrong about it being a bee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As he as <laughs> had written all these like great bee lines for our synopsis, and I was like. Cut that, cut that, cut, cut that, that, cut that, cut that. I had to cut it all. You had to change it to Firefly. Which Firefly worked pretty well, too, but it wasn't as... Uh, we, we, birds and the bees with all the children, you know, and explaining, like, why <laughs> we the kids to, don't look we right and all that. It was like, oh, that we fits were, like, so well. We were like, little birds yeah. and, and Laris' little bees. We were like, we were really <laughs> loving the idea of it being bees. I was like, I would have liked that, but no. Firefly, which also makes me wonder, I'm like, did Laris decide to set this fire well beforehand? Yeah. Like, had he all, like, he had these, it's sit, very these, on the nose these for firefly him to things have a made. firefly yeah. uh, <laughs> emblem ready before his, his nefarious plan that involves lighting his family on fire. He had 10 years to think about. He's like, yeah, eventually they're going to go back there and I'm going to burn them. <laughs> Just waiting for that day to come. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Pentos a little more. So, Vagar and Caraxes doing like an air show there. That was that was pretty fun. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, just doing like dancing about and, you know, and as you said before, Damon would be very used to Vagar given that it was his his dad's dragon. Yeah. And Caraxes was his uncle's dragon, by the way, while we're at it. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Rainey's the queen who never was. Her father had Caraxes. So, yeah. And Damon and Viserys' mother had the dragon that Rainey's the queen who never was rides now so all these dragons just end up it's just hard to keep track of but you know you can always ask us we know who the dragons are ridden by and so we talked about this on the uh on the, on the preview episode vagar is just like covered in ropes which we assume are figured out is because like the dragon is so huge you need to like things to hold on to when you're climbing around this giant mm-hmm. monstrous animal right like you gotta have something to hold on to so uh yeah, it's just like this mass of ropes. I'm like still a whole laughing nest. at the idea of like Lena tethering like her groceries or her you know, her, her, her her belongings <laughs> to the ropes and then they're just like all hanging there. That's how they they didn't they did not sail from Driftmark to Pentos. They all just like flew in in her like she's got she's like a soccer mom with like a, a big uh, SUV. <laughs> Huge SUV. <laughs> she could have like a bunch of heads tied to those ropes. Like if she were to go, because she wants to be a dragon. She wanted to be a dragon rider going into battle. So that's what she would. That's alternate reality. Lena has mm-hmm. the foes of her, the, the heads of her defeated enemies tied to all those ropes <laughs> by their hair, just flying through the air, heads dangling by her. That would be badass. I, I want to see that. That needs to be done. We need a dragon rider that did that. I put- that really would be a, a very good use of dragons is like, uh, you know, airborne troops, if you will, like like inserting them like air assault, like, you know, helicopters that can fly in and drop off a squad, and yeah. just, you know, pinpoint the yeah. spot, you know, yeah. like yeah. you clear the landing spot with fire, like get out of the way, give them a yeah. spot to land. Yeah. <laughs> I showed this earlier in the stream, but I'll highlight it again. This is from the house the dragons built uh, behind the scenes. It's the the 3D modeling for Vagar where you really see that like that, uh, that uh neck of hers the, but the you can see the comparison <laughs> that they clearly took inspiration from ancient tortoises uh because that you know what other creatures live a very long time well another 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 very similar reptilian type like 
dragons already have that tortoise vibe. So like, I, I hadn't pinpointed that they took that inspiration for Vagar, but it's it's so clear in retrospect. And here's where we remind people that the dragon roars, at least from the original Game of Thrones, were based on turtle sex noises. If we if don't have yeah. that right, yeah, like yeah. that's what they built the sounds from the roaring. It was it started as that. <laughs> they just tweaked it and changed it and modified it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so what else here? Bela and Reyna, we talked about them a bit already. Lena, we talked about as well. Uh, there's one line that we didn't address. She says maybe she's not what he wanted in a wife. What did you all make of that? Like, was she alluding to the fact that he wanted Rhaenyra or that's who he really had his sights set on? And yeah. she felt like second fiddle to that, but but was okay with it? Yeah, I, that is what I took. That okay. like they have a, that Damon and Lena have a good relationship, a fine relationship, but it's been ten or eight years or whatever. It's 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 been a number of years, and there's some strain in their relationship. And Damon, more than his wife, is not happy with his lot in life, and that comes with if he had married Rhaenyra, he would be the future king consort. You know, yeah. that comes with it. So whether Lena thinks that Damon is hung up on Rhaenyra in particular, I don't know. But I think Lena for sure thinks Damon is hung up on wanting to be the future king, mm. and okay. and Rhaenyra is part of that. Okay, yeah, is my my that. read, um, but. That. I, I, I do, I, I do think that Lena still, Lena and Damon care about each other and that that comes through even with this. I don't know if you, yeah, uh, you agree. I like agree, some people yeah. feel that in the book that Damon and Lena had a more loving relationship, but I think we just, you just don't see the, 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 the strain. You don't see the harder moments in Fire and Blood, because why would you? You wouldn't yeah, see these. They lived these, in Pentos. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. <laughs> see the times that they argued, the but. They wouldn't be documented very well. Yeah, it was yeah. like their conversation was a, a pretty normal one to me for a, 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 you know, decade long relationship to, yeah. to have that kind of argument. It didn't seem like they're completely estranged no not at all it seemed like yeah they seemed still like they had plenty of love between them maybe the passion was gone but they were committed to each other and things like that yeah i think i think yeah i think standard things that happen with couples in a very non-standard yeah. scenario and environment yeah uh, the prince of pentos wants dragon yeah. riders to deter the triarchy that's a big thing. That's one of the things is... they disagree on like what Regio Heratus. Regio Heratus. And um, notable because there is a um, Pentashi in Fire and Blood um, that writes a a, 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 a tale about um, Pentos, a, a different era, and a Heratus. So he's from a very long running noble family. Yeah. And of course, there's some vibes of, like you said before, of Danny and, and Viserys being entertained by Illyrio and living in Pentos and just being someone's guest and what that all means. Yeah. Sean, you have something to add? Yeah, I thought that they, uh, the moment at the dinner table when uh, she pulls her hand away from Damon, mm. I think that was meant to be one to look on her face is a little surprised. She's like, we're not in the same page here. And it was like maybe a little sad when she pulled her hand, which for that to be the case, it they, they have to have been in accord and loving leading up to that moment, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, what happened there? Dancing oh, and enjoying. Yeah, that was exactly. There we go. You're back. That hello, was. Hello. Yeah, you okay. are here. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, I, I think that the. I don't think that that scene was showing us 
that they don't love each other. I think that scene was showing us is that they're they've hit a roadblock, a, a moment yeah. of of, of uh, uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, there's a fork now. in the road here. And, and also, again, I wonder yeah. how long have they been overseas in Essos? Has this been a year? Has this been three years? They, obviously, Lena is pregnant, so it has to have been longer than her pregnancy. Like, I don't think they, I don't think she got pregnant, and they said, "Hey, let's go travel now." You yeah, know. yeah. Um, yeah, so I like probably I would guess they've been overseas for at least a year, but it's unclear. But also in in terms of um, brought up in the chat, your eyes Tosh points out he got her pregnant less than a year prior, so they can't mm-hmm. have been too estranged. I yeah, really that's not true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. Although it's not like I mean I think it's fair to call Allison and uh, uh, Viserys estranged, and they're still having kids. So I mean, yeah, well, they I, haven't know, had a kid in. And she has, she's not hasn't been pregnant That's in a true. while. Her youngest child is maybe maybe Amond is nine or eight, you know like ten. Eight, how old is he? Eight, I don't know I'm how old sure, he is. Yeah. It's unclear. But either way, she hasn't been pregnant lately. Yeah, it's been a little while. <laughs> I will say it was a little frustrating when Lena was I don't know making her case, it's, it's saying like this is what I want from life, and Damon's like. Yeah, you're, okay. You're yeah, still he here? Kind of yeah, ignoring, yeah. yeah, that was kind of rude. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, jeez, oh, man. But I think very relatable. Like, I, who hasn't had their yeah. wife tell them that they want to go back and claim their birthright <laughs> in, the, in the land of their birth? You know, but, but no, all I mean, Valerians like, here, relatable right? in that some, you have to, you have to make a conscious decision to have that sort of conversation sometimes. And that isn't where his headspace was necessarily right there. That doesn't mean that Damon always is going to be that checked out. But it does imply to me that he has been that checked out for the last number of months. That he has been lost in his thoughts. Drinking a lot. And distant. And again, I think a lot of people have experience that in their own relationships and maybe move past it or maybe not but there are times where you're like oh my partner is depressed or my partner is uh, has gotten laid off of work or something like that yeah and like things are are, are they're, they're not themselves and they don't really want to even try like, like yeah. they don't even want to try to go investigate pentos or they're just going through the motions yeah that does seem like what he's like and i think that's part of what we got with the the malaise of well, it didn't. His life didn't work out the way he wanted. He wanted it to. He's not married to Rhaenyra. He's not in line for the throne, and I think that is maybe parallels Viserys still carrying a torch for Emma, where we're seeing both of them unhappy at the same time, and then that just becomes even more of a parallel when Lena dies, not quite in childbirth. She's about to die in childbirth, and then takes her own route out it's a bit of the careful what you wish for thing where she says she wanted to die like a dragon rider she didn't want it to be so soon and not you know know, under much different circumstances you know one of my favorite uh one of my favorite uh lines in the episode was damon responding to um lena when he goes i didn't realize i was being so being so minutely observed yeah (laughs) (laughs) i just like how could people say house of the dragon isn't funny when you've got lines like that which just like perfectly encapsulate the a long term relationship where like yeah I I I would definitely I might reply something like that if my partner said that to me as well like geez I didn't realize you were just like clocking everything I did <laughs> which on, on one hand is 
it's really a distractionary comment, right? Yeah. It, it, it's, he is making some mistakes and how could she not observe them? But you frame it like you're spying on me or something, but you're really kind of deflecting the, the real issue. And really, yeah. Lena is just, she's being a good, caring wife yeah, she's and being partner. Yeah, she's observing yeah. and being like, I'm, I'm reaching out to you because I'm concerned. You seem to be considering a thing that I don't think is really what's going to make you happy. And it's sure not going to make me happy. So I should say something now. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So I think in, on Viserys' side, because uh, some of these moments are interspersed, he's maybe thinking about how if Emma was still around, if he hadn't done what he did, or if she, were, or just in general, if she was still alive, none of these troubles would be happening. Yeah. He wouldn't have the succession crisis. He wouldn't have uh, be married to someone who doesn't love him. Their their relationship seems to have deteriorated. Uh, he wouldn't so, have all this conflict around his hand and all that other stuff. Yeah, just so many things would be different and probably better if he still had her. You know, I see people giving Damon props for not cutting Lena open, but we don't actually, he never has to make the decision. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, he doesn't make, yeah, make he doesn't the decision. I, I, I really don't think people should give him props for this at all. He just didn't, he just didn't decide. He, yeah, exactly. He, before he's offered the choice, he's presented the, the scenario and Lena notices. I think that's also yeah. lost in the shuffle. She sees them talking. She sees them whispering and realizes there's only one thing they could be talking about. They're talking about how I'm dying. She might have even, she might she have even, even heard the word knife. That's true. You know? You're right. Either way, she figured it out and she's like, all right, and I'm doing, I'm going out of my own by terms. By the way, I want to take this moment to point out something that, um, Eliana of Girls Gone Canon, I saw her tweet about, um, pointed out that Rhaenyra's birth, no maester, just midwives. Rhaenyra did not have a maester involved for her birth there. It was just her and the midwives. Interesting. That is I a good point. I thought that was really interesting because, of course, Rhaenyra might uh, not take kindly to the idea of them involved. Well, you know, on the other hand, she might. I wonder why she wouldn't be okay with Orwell, given how good a job he was doing with uh, her father. But she might still, be okay with him still, but still. not in the childbed. Not, yeah, maybe not, not when that. they're willing to yeah. cut her open to save a baby. Like, yeah, I mean, she has to, even though I, I also have to wonder... We never know exactly what Rhaenyra knows about what went down with Emma in That's the true. childbed. Like also, we don't yeah, know right. what she was told about what happened, what whether her Viserys made that choice, yeah. what her suspicions are. We, yeah, she might not know enough to distinguish Melos and what's the new guy's Orwell. name? Orwell. Orwell. She might not. She might just think Maester. She might might not know them as different people. You know. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. Either way, it's a good observation by Eliana and worthy of perhaps further thought. Um, what's that? I, I don't want to belabor it too much, but I, I felt like I, I don't know. Maybe Damon. I think if Damon had told that, I don't know if that was a maester. Did they have maesters? It was a surgeon, technically a surgeon. Pentashi. I think if do you think if Damon had told him cut her open and get the baby out, he would have refused it? No, he offered that. He, he offered, offered. He asked him. Yeah, if he, he asked said, if he, he wanted that. that. But, I, I bring that because I may. I feel like that means that Damon is making the decision to not do that. No, no he no, didn't no. have a chance to yeah. before he could answer. Lena. Oh, she saw got them and got up. up. And yeah. before he's like, oh, she's right. gone. Before yeah. he's thinking yeah. about it, she, he, she's and already maybe stood Damon up and would have, For all we know, Damon would have said no. Damon might have just walked off and not been able to make any answer himself. He does do da that a lot. Walk yeah, off. yeah, he just, just walk off. He might have <laughs> gone to Lena and said, what do you want to do? Yeah, like, we have no idea. We just exactly, don't know. So, yeah. We cannot possibly give Damon any props, in my opinion, for this. But or I criticism. See, or criticism for this yeah. either. But yeah. I've seen like really popular tweets that are like, 
really complimenting Damon for doing <laughs> this, but I think that's a huge misread. I think that's the whole point, is that it wasn't his choice. Like, that's an important framing for the scene. It was her choice, which is... Yeah. Yeah, she went out on her terms. I mean, she didn't really have a whole lot of choice, but she still got to make the decision. Uh, and we barely got to know her. It is too bad. Yeah, it is a casualty of the 10-year gap. One of the characters that we maybe could have gotten to know more that we didn't. But it's interesting to see how news is going to travel. Now, if people in different locations are no longer in the Red Keep, the Red Keep is, uh, learns about Harwin's death first. Rhaenyra is going to be one of the last to hear about it because she's isolated herself in Dragonstone. But she is going to hear about Lena before the rest of the realm, most likely, because of they're much closer in proximity to Pentos than just about anyone else in the realm. Uh, looking at the map makes that pretty clear. So that will have ripple effects. Positioning, timing of getting certain news before other people, someone like Laurie Strong, uh, any other person that understands the flow of information can use that, or maybe will use that. We'll see. Uh, presumably Melos is dead like we said and Lionel of course is as well those characters were a little more well known can I cut in real quick of course and just say people are pointing out that their interpretation is that Damon was shaking Damon was shaking his head no but my interpretation was that he was shaking his no head no as in like oh I have to make this decision that wasn't an actual like like, concrete decision just just to cut in to reply to that idea that I, maybe maybe I can say that some people can interpret it as him actually saying no. I still don't consider that um, counting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, considering he shakes, he's like, ah, I'm not sure. And then he looks over and Lena's just gone. It seems like you could interpret it that way, but they did not make it clear. Yeah. To me, to me at least. Um, yeah. Let's call him some feminist icon for that no people are mainly <laughs> it's there's a bit of a, a a meme a joke going around on twitter where people are calling damon a feminist icon kind of tongue and you know like they're just kind of having fun with it but sometimes people take it a little seriously right on <laughs> he is not okay folks we're starting to wrap it up we've got a few last comments but if you have any questions you want to get in now is the time because we're calling it quits pretty shortly here a couple of random things here as I said before, we don't know if that was Sir Eric or Sir Eric behind uh, Rainier. It should be... I just forget which one it is, but there was one of them was assigned to be her personal protector in Fire and Blood, so it's probably that one. Uh, Grover Tully is mentioned in all that stuff about the Riverlands, so it clears up one question we had, whether they would keep those uh, Muppet Tully yeah, names they mentioned or not. <laughs> Grover Tully and his son. They don't say his son's name, but in canon, his son's name is Elmo Tully, and there's also a Kermit Tully and an Oscar Tully. Yeah, so I, I thought they were going to change those names, and then people pointed out that HBO is owned by the same company that owns Sesame Street, so... They can go ahead and use those names. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe are, not all in one fine. scene because it makes it uh, really clear. I mean, as soon as they say the name Elmo, people are going <laughs> to. Oh, I have to say a really funny thing. I used the hashtag Muppet Tullys when I tweeted about Lord Grover Tully. So I clicked on the hashtag Muppet Tullys to see who else tweeted with that hashtag. You know who tweeted that? In 2015 was me. <laughs> <laughs> the, there are two people have tweeted using the hashtag Muppet Tullys, and it was me in 2015 and me in 2022, which is really weird to me. But, the seven-year uh, Same brain. Uh, I, do, I do love the concept, and uh, I've said it before, but... Uh, We've got our, our our friend Chuck, who's a listener of the podcast, who's got a great cosplay of Elmo in like a full-sized Elmo that a man can wear <laughs> that is dressed in Tully 
clothing and he's also got a full-size kermit and he is going to bring them to ice and fire con i guess this next year so that'll be glorious that's <laughs> very very amusing i wish i could share a picture but i think he's keeping it on the dl all right uh there was a mention of and during the talk of the stepstones of a giant tairashi general with purple beard who wears women's clothes that this is Rakalio Rindoon. We have talked about him before, and we'll talk about him more later. I'm very glad to see him name-checked, well, not name-checked, mentioned indirectly by description, because he's a cool character. I'm so we curious. Really, we were really hoping he would be included, so uh, maybe he'll be cast next season. Yeah, I'm super curious what the, how they'll go with that, because that's a... With a modern perspective, it's like that's a balancing act of a character to portray. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> their gender fluidity and queerness. There's a few ways they can go with it because they, they're not going to put it in modern terms exactly. But I think it will be more complex than this is a guy who cross dresses weird. Like, I think it will be like this is part of them and i'm i'm choosing to use non-binary pronouns for rakalia rendoon until i know otherwise just because with fire and blood we we don't know but it's very interesting to me that this person chooses to dress in women's clothing but also keep a beard they clearly <laughs> are are embracing gender fluidity within this uh pseudo medieval type world which, you know within the constraints of that so I'm curious how this will go for the, sure. And something we thought could have been cut. The so character is not. full of contradictions. Yeah. Just, you know, in a lot of ways, it's not just that like he, he hates, uh, loves kittens, but hates cats. Um, <laughs> for example. Yeah. There's, there's all sorts of strange <sighs> aspects. Of this guy He's a very, he's a fascinating character. So we'll, we hope that he's got a, a solid role. We'll talk about him more later. And they, and they did call, call, call him giant. So mm -hmm. that they kind yep, of uh, they also hemmed themselves in with who they're going to cast for a future season. Now, that'll definitely be uh, an exciting casting. I'm sure in the, in, in the in between times, we'll, we'll get someone cast and be like, it's them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably true. Uh, Russell Robinson says, have they talked about King Viserys only having one arm now? He only, he only has one arm now. Is yeah, that... it seems like he's got like a blanket over it. That is that is my impression as well. I can but like, you miss that. That it uh, it's we don't. It, it's not shown very clearly, but that was he's the impression. Partly arm, like is he's got like a stump, like a stump. Yeah, it's not it's not <sighs> cold, fully gone. But I'm wow. trying to see if I can pull up. I completely a good know, didn't picture see that. for you. It's always hard for me to pull up. Um, in the meantime, Dan Windsor sends a super chat and says, "Loving the hot D coverage." Shea, thanks for the "What We Do in the Shadows" recommendation. It oh, is great. It is indeed. That's me always <laughs> always talking about what we do in the shadows. I was just rewatching it recently, so that's great to hear. Yeah, it is a really fun. Whenever show. I think about someone having wishes that backfire, I now think of Nandor the Relentless. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Careful what you wish for. That's a great call. See right yes. there. You can't <laughs> see that there. I'm trying to see. Yeah, it doesn't really. doesn't show it. No, I'm trying to find a better anyway, show. Anyway, let's just move on. We can look for that another time. We don't need to do that right now. Oh, no. you. I, I, I can be looking a... for it while you're talking is my point, yeah, and we'll true. bring it back up. I... Okay, so I... are we... Sean, what's that? Yeah, I, I did have one, I don't know, talking point. I Go thought that uh, I was a little frustrated. I feel like Lenor is a little too excited to go to war mm. for, for multiple reasons. One, I, th I think it's... Uh, he sees it as an like adventure. I think it's part of his privilege, you know? Exactly, yeah. right. And he's in a lot less danger in war than the soldiers would be. He's right? a dragon rider. Dragon in the yeah. air, slaughtering yeah. people. He's much less likely to get killed. Never mind, he's not seeing that 
you know, he's kind of abandoning his family as his post, if you will, to do it. So uh, I, I, I was kind of torn in his character. I thought it was interesting that he, in certain ways, at least was supporting his wife and playing his role. But Renera kind of called him out like, look, you're just partying. You're not, <laughs> yeah, now's yeah. the time to really play the role and you want to run off to war. Like even aside from her frustration with that, I was, even if you wanted to run off to do some other thing, it would still be frustrating. But war is like the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, but she, and she finally just commands him, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. All right. Which he he kind of just kind of is resigned. He's like, all right, then I guess yeah. you do. You can tell me what to do. <laughs> and she kind of gives him permission to bring his lover. So that helps a lot. He's like, all right, well, that helps a lot. Um, and also an indication that she recognizes that there is a, a storm brewing. She says, yep. we need all the swords we can get. Yep, that is true. That is very true. So, And it's, it remains to be seen whether she's right that leaving is better than staying. Certainly, Lenor pro- provides some of the logic for that she herself espoused earlier as to why they needed to be there. Apparently, she thinks the pros outweigh the cons now or the cons outweigh the pros whichever way you want to look at it. either way she thinks dragonstone is better probably the driving force though is her children she says it's the rumors that are bothering her but it's not just the rumors it's not the talk it's what it means it's what it could lead to yeah as as way, lionel said when he didn't know anyone else was listening he said this flimsy shield of the king's denial is the only thing keeping us all alive basically and rainier is like yeah. yeah you're right it is a little it is kind of thin isn't it so <laughs> yeah yeah, that was a, a good moment. I think her hearing that conversation was a wake-up call for her. I also want to point out, it's another like uh, little frustrating loss of synergy because they talked about uh, Alicent pouring honey in the king's ear mm. if Renero left. God, if the bee thing or, again, the, the bee, bee thing, thing, exactly. Uh, like, oh, uh, damn it. <laughs> they should have uh, used the bees. Fire, fireflies was good, but uh, had they, did they consider bees? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, sorry, bees. I know you feel let down. <laughs> the bees got buried. Hmm. I so on the arm watch <laughs> thing. None of the screenshots I have make it abundantly clear, but notable is that every screenshot I pulled up, you see one arm, and the other one is just completely hidden under like a thing. Which, uh, but people say that in the scene when he's talking to Lionel, that it's more clear. What about when he's holding the baby? Like he holds Joffrey. I guess you don't have a screenshot of that because he's like he has to like I think he just uses his stump like and kind of hold the child. Yeah, he might not be missing it at the shoulder. He might be missing it at the. There we go. Yeah, there we go. See, he's just using the same one arm. Yeah, the blanket is covered. Yeah, you can't. Just but there's (laughs) specifically like when when Allison like tucks Viserys into his blanket and the chair. Uh, he like covers that arm completely when he's holding the ring at the end. It's just like every example is just like you you never. There's not a single shot where you see the other arm arm out and so it's unclear to me how uh where it cuts off exactly yeah. um but it may get more clarification on, on, sa- on saturday we'll have i'll have an actual shot of uh of it because i'm sure i'll be able to find the actual shot i thought out of all of these i have <laughs> 150 some photos from the episode <laughs> and yet none of them make it clear <laughs> All right, folks, that is our episode. If you want to check out the synopsis, make sure to do that. It gives you a nice summary of the main topics that we discussed today. Uh, the Century of Blood was discussed in the episode, and we have an episode on that. The Stepstones as well. We've mentioned that several times. Always a good time to check out our Stepstones episode. There's episodes on the parentage of the uh, Viserys and Damon. We talk about some of their... Uh, family in various fire and blood episodes our episode on lease particularly comes back around today 
with that mention of Aegon and the also the Century of Blood, all that stuff wrapped up together, as well as Rakalio Rindoon appearing in some of those episodes. So a lot of this stuff, things we've touched on before. If you came live today, we appreciate your being here and adding to the discussion and adding to the fandom in your mm. own way. Thank you for those of you who listen afterwards. You can always catch the live streams on uh, the replays on YouTube and Spotify or the podcast versions audio only on Spotify or Google Play or iTunes or Amazon Music or mm. any other place else you catch podcasts. I will have a couple thing images that we did not reach that I would like to say real quick. Go for it. Uh, one is I never actually put on screen the close-up shot of Helena's box of bugs. And Are there any fireflies in there? I don't see. Yeah, no. There's like a butterfly, like a leaf <laughs> insect, and some beetles, and a scorpion, and she's obviously got the millipede in her hands. I just wanted to take a moment to uh, make sure I actually showed that on screen. Nice. Um, but I also wanted to take a brief moment when we I missed it when we were talking about the Pentashi Library. Oh, they yeah, made books. two thousand books. Well, they made the can the I have spines, one of them? Um, the not spines, the books yeah. <laughs> um, for this library, and you can see here, we can read some of the names, like The Curious Mystery, or right here, The Histories of Essos, The Prince of Valyria, you know, like The Power of Valyria, you know, a bunch of different books, uh, Dragons, uh, one book is about uh, Tyria, Tyria, as you see here, the library. Anyways, there's uh, a lot of cool books there, and I just want to take- was part of Valyria, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and so- um, yeah, I mainly that just wanted so to cool. highlight that, that call. Yeah. Uh, which is very, very cool. I would read any one of those books happily. Um, and if you mm. want to see more shots like that, I recommend checking out the house that Dragons Built feature mm-hmm. featurette. It's Always also got some cute it. little moments that I highlighted like this, which is uh, Amond and little Luke together saying, say something rememberable. <laughs> and then... Luke just looks cool. <laughs> Harvey Sadler like, plays young Luke. He's like, and he just I'm just going to stand him. here being cute and stuff. Yeah, they're, 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 I'm just like, well, these kids are cute. I, Look at I that. Just, he just, like a cherub. Yeah. There's also like the kids dancing, you know, in the background <laughs> of some scenes, like doing like dap dance. And they're, they were just, they're really, really precious. And uh, kids are nice and all, but we need more yeah. cats. <laughs> we, need more, we need more cats. Yeah, if you can get a cat, Sean, you have a chance still, perhaps. <laughs> Thanks as well to Michael Klarfeld for his video intro and the maps behind us. Thanks to Bran Winslow for our current awesome House of the Dragon video intro and the music that goes with it. Thanks as well to Joey Townsend and Jesse Koval for our regular History of Westeros music. Thanks as well if you've joined us on Patreon or as a subscriber through Spotify. Basically the same benefits through either. It's mostly about whichever is more convenient for you. You can support the show either way um, and get bonus episodes. John? Yeah, I have one thought just popped in my head thinking about Helena and those bugs. Yeah. We, we've talked in the past about how there's something festering and infestation in, in the Red Keep and the, the family in the kingdom, like yeah. Vesarius's sores and the rats. But Helena has control over these bugs. She's studying them. I wonder oh, if there's yeah. some hmm. symbolism there. Hmm. And also, Harwin being. You know, identifying with a bug, he's, maybe he's an infestation also. Uh, anyway. You mean Laris? Laris. Laris. You're stuck on that. See, that's, yeah. he's gotten to you. He's 
<laughs> taught you to say the wrong you, name you to hide his tracks. Varys, Sean. Varys is like oh, Varys. Just like associate yes. him with Varys and have that as an enemy. You had it before. It was literally this only this week that you started getting tripped up this yeah, episode. <laughs> the fireflies uh, got so, to you. Oh, wait. <laughs> to be really on, to, let's, let's, to, one last thing. To be on uh, Kristen Cole and Laurie Strong watch, are you pro Kristen, pro Laurie's, anti Laurie's, anti. What, 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 Gotta be anti Laurie's now. <laughs> I'm anti Laurie's now. Okay, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I'm still on the fence about Kristen, but I see that we're. You know they're they're turning him to the dark yeah, side. I, I felt I, like you I, would not like that. Kristen was how he taught those young boys. As someone who cares about that sort of thing generally, Sean, I thought that you would be very turned off by Kristen just kind of like being a really bad te- like, like Harwin's not wrong when he says he's teaching him cruelty and to be a bad yeah. of. F- uh, 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 that wasn't nightly behavior. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't. Maybe it's what'll win the fight. If yeah. Aegon gets into a yeah. fight, Aegon will win because he'll he won't pull his punches there. But his point about it, fairness in combat was true. But that's not. But that this is what that's not an example of what that was. Yeah, th- right. This isn't necessarily the right moment for that. Like, that's yeah. not. He was using these kids as pawns. Oh yeah. Not really trying to teach them. It is a good lesson to learn that it's not always fair, and sometimes yeah, you should true. be paired up against someone better than you. But that's not really what he was doing here. Mm. But not being a good teacher of kids is different from being a bad person or being a bad Kingsguard. True. You know, like, but it is. This it's is not the most damning him, thing, you know? you know, compared to right, yeah, in yeah. this world, especially. <laughs> but no, yeah, you have yeah. Kristen calling Rainier right. the C word and generally seeming yeah. very sour. Yeah. But he, he does immediately recognize he shouldn't have done that and apologizes. You know, <laughs> you, so, like, there, he, he could be worse. It's, it's, it's literal it's, Kristen it's, Cole He's less apologies. clearly a good guy than he was two episodes ago. I can see, I can find ways to justify him, but I'm sure they're going to make it tougher and tougher. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's going to be true for a lot of characters, so you know, you're not you know, yes. like that. And that's the other thing I was going to say is that however bad he is, I'm not sure that he's that much worse than Lenor or Harwin. Yeah, or I, I agree with yeah, you. Know, we'll I, I actually do agree with you that I don't think that he's necessarily uh, – Worse in some ways than Lenor, who has seemed kind of bloodthirsty. Like bloodthirsty is extreme, but itching More for a callous fight. about it, it. Yeah, 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 you know. And and yeah. Lenor has seemed like, yeah, I mean, like, you you go through a war like that, you go to the steps, and you have to be kind of callous towards that sort of thing, or you're just going to have PTSD and like be true, mixed yeah. up the but, rest of your life. Like some people come out of war determined to get peace yeah right mm-hmm. determined to protect soldiers from being killed and determined to stop a war from happening he didn't I learn that lesson either way. was his character yeah he right. just saw it as yeah it was fun he liked it i mean which that also is a real worth it funny people like that on the christian cole note entertaining on the note of christian cole when i was um re-watching episode episode one and two um the other the other day um i noted that Rhaenyra, when when she uh, when she assigns Christian to the King's Guard, it's because he had faced combat experience, right? But like what he says is that we I raised two watchtowers, which that that's like the thuggish behavior. Like that's not an <laughs> well, honorable like fight. Like he was ordered to, do, like, ordered still, to yeah. do that. Yeah, like that was under under um, Lord Dondarrion. And there, and there might have been some honorable fighting that led up to but, that. But but it, the way you they, raising two watchtowers is it too different from strifing down with your dragon to kill a bunch of people? Exactly, exactly. I was like, really, when I watched back, I was like, the the 
Kristen's, I mean, I say thug because Fabian Frankel had himself referred to Kristen Cole as a thug, which was a very <laughs> loaded language to me at the time that he said it. I didn't get thuggish niche. I didn't get that from him, but I do now, especially Starting in this training yard. Someone who scene. resolves things through violence. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, he doesn't have other gears. He's just like, well, I had that thought too. Like, Renera wanted someone to solve real combat. Okay. What do you think you were getting? You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. It's not, yeah. Well, she, yeah, she doesn't know what that entirely what that means. Yes. You do want someone that's seen real combat, but that shouldn't be the only qualification because you want someone that it hasn't like turned them into a bad person or, or made them. Or just otherwise compromise them. Yeah. Or turn them into a broken person. Or maybe they already, yeah. Or maybe they already were a bad person before that and made them worse. Who knows? Yeah. So, like, just know, experience yeah. alone is is a kind of a neutral thing. It's You do want it, but by itself, it's not enough. Yeah. She she was basing it on something beyond just the fact that he had been in combat. Also, he's, he's also hot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, got, you also want hot people around you. Yeah. <laughs> 101 for King's Card. I think like, we, we, no ugly King's Money, but true. I think we've gotten to the, 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 the root of the issue of why you're so apologetic for Kristen Cole. Sean you just Kristen. said yeah. he's hot. You yeah. said definitively you think he's hot. Yep, Sean loves Kristen. I do. Well, I oh, yeah, I, I agree, too, actually. He, he is a very pretty yeah. man, but... Uh, he might be the hottest of all the characters. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I will disagree. I think it, for me, actually, I think it goes Lena Valarian and then Harwin Strong. And Which then I, Lena, I, I might the... say Kristen Cole third. I might call him the th- maybe Al- maybe Allison and Rainier. It's hard. It, it gets it gets foggy. It gets muddy around there. But I think Lena Valarian is the most be beautiful woman in the realm. <laughs> yeah. That- <laughs> Let's let's uh, yeah, objectify all these people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, folks, we'll see a lot of y'all on Saturday for the spoiler stream, and a lot of y'all on Monday for the next episode of our House of the Dragon spoiler-free coverage. Sean, do you have something else to say? Follow me on Twitter, Dancing Sean. At Dancing Sean. Make do sure it, you folks. go. Make sure you go join Direwolf City live uh, probably right about now because we, we ca- crossed over by a minute or so. Yeah, and check out Radio Westeros tomorrow night. And yeah. we'll see you all next time. You know what to do. Valar rewatch us. Valar reread us.